I'm Stevie Campbell and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Hello, hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Glory Days of Gold. Um, you're joined by your usual host, my name's Lee Gillis. And I'm Michael McCall. Delighted to announce this week's sponsors and we've got a few. So first of all, a big shout out to Michael Hunter and the Auckland Supporters Group. Currently, current members in the Auckland Supporters Group are one, but big, big shout out to, to Michael. And if you're listening out there in, in New Zealand and you're wanting to, to join, I'm pretty sure you'd be delighted for another member. I um, love his dog others, Monroe. His dog Monroe is really cool. He posts a lot yeah. about it on Instagram. Yeah, he's to be honest, we probably like his dog better than we like Mike. Oh, definitely, less yeah. cheeky. And by the way, for any other listeners, when we first met Mike and used to go to away games, Mike used to drink Blue Wicked. That was his, his weapon of choice when we went away. And if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about the man, then nothing will. All joking aside, Mike, we love you really. Our other sponsors this week um, are the Bedwell Group. So the Bedwell Group are a new estate agents which are opening up in Dundee. They work from Aberdeen to Edinburgh and everywhere in between. So the Bedwell Group provides exceptional results while still offering incredibly competitive pricing. With a new property patronage scheme, you may even pay no fees at all. There's never a better time to sell or let your property, so give them a call on 01382 671056 or visit thebedwellgroup.co.uk. And finally, I'm going to give a big shout out and uh, a mention to, again, Blair at Gunner Designs. So Blair has has done some excellent, excellent um, work for us in terms of preparing our um, our images and our graphics. He provided our logo. He's an absolutely great guy. So for all your graphic needs from logo designs to social media branding and much more, visit gunnerdesigns.co.uk or contact them directly on Twitter at Gunner Designs. So Gunner is G-U-N-N-E-R Designs and turn your ideas into reality. So we've just come off the, the back of our conversation with local lads, East Fife player, former Rangers, and I'll be honest with you, an absolutely fantastic chat with Stevie Campbell, one that I really, really enjoyed. Such an engaging guy to talk to, spoke so highly um, of his time with the club. Sticks the boot into Willie HSN, which is something you definitely want to listen to, um, as well as talking about stories of playing with the likes of Barry Ferguson and stuff. So even if you're not an East Fife fan, there's, there's a lot of stories about Rangers in there, um, which will definitely be appealing to you. Although if you're an Airdrie fan, maybe don't don't listen. Yeah, um, if you're an Airdrie fan, I would probably swerve it um, because there wasn't too much said about that. But maybe even if you're a Partick fan or a Dick Campbell fan, then definitely one for you to listen to too. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that. It was good. So we found out our fixtures for who we play home and away, Michael. So what's your thoughts on that? It's not the worst. It's not the best. 
I know a lot of folk we talked in last week's show, they wanted to go up to Inverness. We still don't know about fans, but Inverness away, Wraith Rovers away, that was two I would have liked at home. But ultimately, it's like, it's not really going to matter too much. I, it's not too bad a draw. I like that we, we're, we've we got our two, and then we've got a, a break, and then we've got another two. So we're not playing three in a row. So it gives us a little bit of rest in between. But overall, I think it's a, it's a pretty good fixture list for us. So just in case you've been living under a rock and you haven't seen it, um, we kick off on Tuesday the 6th of October against the unwashed lot from Cowden Beef at home. Um, so that's a Tuesday game and that's a quarter to eight kickoff. We then play our next game away against the other unwashed Lionel Lickers um, and on Saturday the 10th of October. Then we play Hearts at home and we then play Inverness away. For me, again, I'm glad that we got one of the two, the the bigger teams um, away from home. I would absolutely love to get up to Inverness and hopefully we're allowed back into the grounds by then. But if not, the hearts at home should be a good one and I fully expect them to field a a pretty good team. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of shape the squad's in. Obviously, we're Mm. we're finding out more and more what's happening with the the COVID-19 stuff. Nicola Sturgeon's announced today that the gyms and stuff can open in Scotland. So be interesting to uh, see. I know that Darren's been talking a lot in the in the papers about how the training and stuff's going to look. So we've got a lot to see, and I think it's just a case we'll see how that plays out before we make any more comments on that to see if we're going to get training again soon. And and hopefully we'll catch up with Darren in the coming weeks. With hopefully now, by the looks of things, wrapping up towards the end of the transfer window and seeing what players we could bring in. Yeah, I mean, the, one good thing about the fixtures is we've got. On what on paper should be the two toughest games. I know you can maybe argue Wraith as well, but you've got Hearts and Inverness in November. So we're going to have some games under our belt by then. So we're going to be a little bit more up to speed. And I did read something today that they are looking at possibly letting fans into stadiums from mid-September as a trial basis to kind of look at that. And I know that from this weekend, English non-league in the lower tiers, they're letting fans in as well to try that out. So... I mean, you never know, there might be fans allowed to, to go to some of these away games. Still might only be home fans, but it does look like there will be fans in attendance at least. Yeah, I mean, look, even if it's home fans, then, you know, my season ticket will be worth the money. So oh, I'll yeah. be delighted to see that and look, getting a chance to get Cowden at home and, and really give them a severe doing. Um, I, like I say, I, I can't remember us beating Cowden in a competitive game that I've been to. So that's something that I would like to see. I'll be digging out my No Soap and Cowden t-shirts and my Cowden family t-shirts because I've still got one of each of those. I'll have to wear that in a show soon. That'd be awesome. So we'll move on from Eastleigh. People are interested this week is, is young hearts player um, Aaron Hickey um, who seems to be getting touted for a lot of big moves. Um, the, the club that seemed to be the most interested in is Bayern. But what that sort of got me thinking about was you know, you see that the, the Bundesliga clubs in particular seem to be snapping up a lot of English talent um, and they've gone over there and made a bit of a success of it. But it's something that the Scottish players haven't really managed to kick on when they've been given abroad. So just the names at the top of my head, and if any of want to pick me apart for my opinion, but obviously we had Oliver Bark who went over and played in Germany. We've had Ryan Gold went out to Portugal. Liam Henderson, who's done okay out in Italy for Hellas Verona and then went out on loan as well to Empoli, I believe. So you, you've got these guys, but if you, you know Ryan Gold 
when he signed, I think it was for Sport in Lisbon, I'm sure his release clause was something ridiculous, like 200 million, because they were really expecting him to kick on and be the next Messi. He was, you know, there was getting, he was getting touted as a Scottish Messi, but he's just sort of gone flat. And, you know, I, I think that, let's be honest, to give our, our talent the, the best chance of progress, and I don't think that that lies in Scotland. So you, you, you want these guys going over and train, train them with the Alfonso Davises, the David Alaba's of this world out there in, in Germany. But you're sort of um, on the side of caution because there's not been one that's went over and really kicked on, Mike. No, because, I mean, even going back a little bit further, you had Tony Watt as well. That when he left Celtic, he was like touted as going to be this next big thing, and then he went to Belgium. Then it didn't really work there, and then he just kind of floated uh, around lower leagues before ending back in Scotland with St Johnston and still at Motherwell now. And I don't know what it is because you look at all these countries as well, and th- there's so many countries that's overtaken us in the world game. And like you can even look at Canada. Canada just now, they've got Jonathan David, who's just left a Belgian club to go to sign for Lille in France, and there was other big clubs interested in him. Alfonso Davies went to Bayern. We've got a, a guy that's with Besiktas, and we're developing this talent in Canada. So we're going to slowly be overtaking Scotland next. And I don't know what what's happened to Scotland. We had all this talent that used to go down regularly to play in England, and play at the top level. You've got Andy Robertson, who who's obviously standing out with Liverpool, but there's just not many. Tierney as well, down at Arsenal is a, another talent, but I mean, there's not many, and I don't know what it is that, that that's going to do it. Going over to a club like Bayern could do so much for them, but they have to play. That was the thing with Alfonso Davies. So he left Vancouver, went to Bayern. A few of us were like, oh, is he going to get playing time, or are they going to loan him out? But it was in his contract, they guaranteed him he would make a certain number of first-team appearances in his first season. So he did that. Then it's up to the player to seize that opportunity. And he grabbed it with both hands. And now everyone's talking about him as being one of the, the best defenders in the world. Which is bizarre in a way for us because he was a striker and a winger for us before being converted into a left-back. Yeah, and I mean, you've, you've got to think he's keeping, you know, David Alaba out of position, you know what I mean? Because Alaba is naturally a, a left-back at Bayern, so yeah, he's, he's done well for himself, but hopefully, you know, this could be a catalyst to change for Scottish football. Yeah. We're going to start seeing one more of our players go abroad, but maybe do a little bit better. Um, you know, we've got, you know, you've mentioned the players in England, obviously we've got Scott McTominay, um, Robert Snodgrass still playing in the Premier League. There's 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 a spatter in it, a, a decent players, but you know what concerns me is with Aaron Hickey now is he's, he's still going to have Andy Robertson and Kieran Tierney in front of him. Yeah, because they're all left backs. Why do the, the, that, the two positions that Scotland always do great at creating are goalkeepers and left backs? Yeah, and if you think down the down the line of the Jim Leightons, Andy Gorham's. Alan McGregor's, Craig Gordon's, and now we've got three great left backs. You're like, come on, can we not, can we not get a striker? <laughs> oh, we could just try and play up the left side of the pitch constantly and see if that works. But I mean, it's it's insane. Scottish football though does not help our young talent. You've got Celtic and Rangers that just go and snap up all these teams from like Motherwell, Aberdeen, all their top talents, Dundee United, and then they can't play. 
So they're sitting on it. You're sitting on this talent and then the talent goes to waste. I mean, we'll hear from, from Stevie Campbell in a bit as well, talking about when he came through Rangers. Now, he could have stayed at Rangers and not played, but he needed to play. And that's the problem. A lot of the guys, I think, are like, oh, well, I've signed for Celtic and Rangers. That's it. I've made it. I'm happy with that. Whereas for their own career and development, they need to be out playing at other teams. Yeah, it might not be sexy to be at Kilmarnock or Motherwell, but you're going to be playing. And if you do well, you'll earn a big money transfer and you'll boost your international hopes as well. Probably not as easy to get your hole if you say I play for Kelly than if you play for Rangers, though, eh? so... <laughs> I don't know, hasn't stopped some of these five guys over the years, but that, that's whole other stories. Yeah, so we'll, we'll move on. That's probably a good segue into our next set, uh, segment. So I'm going to bring you one of our most popular ones again, so our Have You Heard section. So this week's Have You Heard, I mentioned it last week, we're going to bring to you Local Boy. This is what we're all about, promoting local talent. Cameron Barnes, this single is called Chasing Love. I absolutely love it. It is a great, great song. Cameron, who I mentioned before, is the, a relation to Jim Stevenson. Um, who's the, obviously the, the chairman at East Fife. He played in the Red Hot Chili Pipers, who are massive in Scotland as well, and he's broke out singing his, his own music. Absolutely phenomenal stuff. So here he is, Cameron Barnes, Chasing Love. Let us know your thoughts. in Amsterdam and I'm on the run the road was my home it's where I belong we have our troubles we all have some it's how we recover it's how we move on Every that goes wrong Every little thing Will come out strong Will come out strong I'm chasing faith and wrong Want to make myself better and keep moving on I'm moving forward I'm chasing love Want to make everyone happy and all of the above I said every little thing every
place in Amsterdam And I'm on the run The road is my home It's where I belong So that was Cameron Barnes, Chasing Love. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Excellent song. Literally, since I've heard it, um, it's not been off my, my Spotify playlist. Um, I, I've told so many people to listen to it, and I can't believe that there's a guy as talented as that down the road, and I, and I hadn't heard of him. Um, and, and, and I think that this, this guy's got all the potential in the books to go all the way. When you mentioned him last week, I actually went on YouTube, so I listened to quite a lot of his stuff over the last week, and really good uh enjoyed it enjoyed that song that was that was a good choice this week lee oh well, great because that's that's the um, 50 50 so far Aye. i think so yeah, it's not something too bad um if you obviously you know i've made a promise to um glenn walker that next week we'll play his, his mate's band song because i was in his bad books for revealing his alias so glenn my wholehearted apologies go to you um, for that um, and I promise to never speak of it again I'll ask Mike to, to go back and post edit it to bleep it out if we have to um, so please accept my apologies for that but aside of, of that song a huge well done to, to Phil Charletta who's announced obviously the, the release of his single which comes out at the end of August go support his five fan pay for the song it's 79 pence on iTunes Give the guy some support. Um, great, great, great guy. I can't speak any higher of Phil and his family. Lovely, lovely people. And I think that the, the song, um, I believe, is um, going to be played on Jim Gellatley's show this week. Um, so great, great effort, Phil. Thoroughly deserved and Hopefully we'll be listening to that at halftime at Bayview soon. Yeah, so, it's a great song and he fully deserves all the stuff that's coming from this. Definitely. So we're going to bring you on um, to the feature interview today. So we've mentioned him already, Mr. Stevie Campbell. I can't speak any more of Stevie as a person. Um, I've, I've known him for a, a long, long time. He, he grew up as, as mates with my big cousin. I've never, ever had a, a bad interaction with him. Top, top guy. Played at Rangers, Partick, Airdrie. Played out in Australia as well. 110 games for the five scoring six goals. Although I did forget to ask him about the screamer that he scored for us um, from just in front of the halfway line, but that's maybe the time when we can get him on for part two. But 110 games, six goals. Here he is, Stevie Campbell. So delighted now to say that we're joined by a man that spent seven seasons at Bayview, 110 games, six goals. He won a championship in the Gary Naismith era. Stevie Campbell, welcome on the show, Stevie. How you doing, guys? Nice to see you. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, we're recording this over three, three continents, this this one, Lee. It's like we're going really multi-national for this it's 10.30 in Dubai where Stevie is it's at 11.30 in Vancouver where I am and it's 7.30 in good old Glenrothes and I'm probably in the sunnier of the three yeah definitely well it is here the day but I think you're probably in the worst of the three but well I don't know we'll see so I mean we're asking a, a lot of the guests this just as the, the first question Stevie like just with COVID and everything that's happening, I I don't know what it's been like out uh, in the Middle East. What what was it like out in in Dubai? Was there lockdowns and stuff like that? Uh, obviously, just 
every, I'm sure everybody says the same. Just crazy times, like it's unbelievable, like unheard of. Um, Dubai's been actually really, really strict. Um, when it first happened, like we we had to stay in the house for like well in the apartment for three weeks solid. We weren't allowed to leave. Um, so you ha- if you had to leave to go to the shops, you had to get a permit, like go online and get a permit in case you got stopped by the police, you know, to go to the sh- to go and get groceries or go to the shop or you weren't even allowed out for a three-week period. So that was difficult. Um, but me and my missus are both teachers over here and we were uh, just normal teaching online. Um, so that was a bit mad. I was like the Dubai version of Joe Wicks because I'm a PE teacher. So <laughs> every day I was doing like a million star jumps and... Like I teach younger kids as well, so I was jumping about the room like a kangaroo and crawling about like a snake. Like it was just mad. Like I feel sorry for the people living below me because like it was like non-stop. But um, actually, quite back to normal now. Um, we were out today for uh, some lunch, and last weekend we went out with a group of us. Ten of us went for a sort of brunch. That's the sort of thing you do in Dubai. You go out for a brunch and you go go and have a few drinks and a meal. So kind of back to normal. Um, Obviously, we have the masks everywhere. They're very strict on masks. One of my mates, he got a 600 quid fine walking along, no mask on. Uh, wow. Undercover police. There you go, 600 quid, son. <laughs> Pay that. So everywhere you go, mask, and it's proper proper fines. Like, Wow. Good idea. That's, yeah, that's a, that is a good idea. Uh, now, you don't actually know this, Lee, because uh, you think we're recording an episode of the podcast, but I've actually got Stevie on uh, to get us fitter for future episodes, so we're going to get put through a little <laughs> bit of exercise routine here. Well, the gyms are reopening at the end of this month in, in Scotland, so I'll maybe actually be able to put some of this, uh, shift some of this weight that I've put on. Everyone up 10 star jumps, let's go. Oh, see, I've just torn my rotator cuff, I can't do star jumps. And I'm just a lazy shy, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably right. get I'd probably injured as well, to be fair, so... <laughs> we'll save that for a future episode. Right, let's get into the football chat then with you, Stevie. So, what, what's your earliest memories of playing football? And when did you know that you had what it took that you could play in the senior game? So, just, I remember, like, obviously playing at primary school. Um, we used to go to Pachuca East Primary School and just every lunchtime and uh, break time you were out playing football and regard if it was raining, didn't matter. Like, get the, get the sponge ball out. You weren't allowed on the grass. So, we always used to have, like, sponge football as a backup football. And most of the time you couldn't get on the grass because it was always raining. But um, just playing football at school and like obviously like you, you knew you knew you were better than most of the boys. Like there was a few decent players, but I used to I always remember like some of the boys wouldn't be happy with me because I'd be like, if I didn't win, I was so competitive like when I was younger. So they, I, I used to fall out with everybody. Yeah, if they did if our team didn't win at break time. So I always remember that. And I remember Playing outside outside the house in uh, Glenorthis, my dad built us a set of goals. We had sort of like a wee bit of woods and grass next to us, and he he was very handy, so he made us a nice set of seven-a-side goals. And funnily, funnily enough, uh, Neil Jablonski, Jabba, he used to live like in the same street as me, so he was a few years older than me, so he was always somebody like, he would always go and play with us, and it was good to have somebody like, he was, he was a quality player, and then there was like always seven or eight of us playing in the street all the time, like playing football or street hockey, just, just up, up to nonsense, but mainly football. So I always remember that as a, like a young kid. And my dad used to take me to the sort of Fife Institute, that's a local sports mm. centre. And um, used to sort of, it was just like a wee coaching, John Gavin he was called, it was like 30 kids would go, do a bit of coaching, five-a-side games. 
must have only been about seven or eight year old, but that kind of introduced me to football. Just, just loved it. So, like, did you grow up supporting anyone? Did you go along to any, any games? Well, kind of supported Rangers. Never, like, my dad would say he would support Rangers as well, but we're never mad, mad Rangers fans or that. Like, he would take me, like, my dad used to play, he was a good player. He played with Glenoffice Juniors for, I think, 10 years. He was a captain there. He was a good player, like, really, like, really good junior player. He kind of, he didn't quite make it professionally, but he, could, he had a chance to go to a few sort of, part-time clubs because um, he was really he was a really good player so I used to go and watch him when I was really young but I forgot your question you what you said about when you think you kind of could have made it and yeah um, that would have probably been I don't know about 11 or 12 years old I used to train with uh, St Johnston Dunfermline and, and Rangers probably about 12 years old so I would kind of float around them I got picked up because I played like I used to play with Woodside Boys Club as well and we were quite a successful club in Glenrothes with a really strong side and that's when the scouts come and watch you. If you've got a good team, like we used to win the leagues, uh, do well in the Fife Cup and okay in the Scottish Cup. So if your boys club's doing well, that kind of attracts the sort of local scouts. For, and that's how I got picked up for like your, your St. Johnston Rangers. And uh, I was at Dunfermline training a few, few times and stuff like that. So, yeah. Did, did you have a particular like footballing hero, someone that you kind of aspired to be then when you were just coming to? To be honest, I can't remember, like, when you're eight and nine, I can't really remember that far back, but I always remember Zidane. Like, I used to have posters on my bedroom wall of Zidane. Like, he was just, for me, still one of the best players of all time, even although, like, you've got your Messi's and Ronaldo's, all these guys. He would still be in my top, sort of, three, top five. Just the way, just the way he moved, like... He was just an absolute genius, like the way he t- like just the way he ran, the way he moved, like his technique was just incredible. He was always a sort of guy, uh, like uh, that's why I kind of got the pred book, predator football books and stuff like that. He always wore the preds, and like even I always just remember, even when I was a bit younger, I always tried to, I tried to take a touch like him or do his tricks. You know, he was just he was like proper, proper player. Like so, I always looked up to him. Given some of the bandits you had, I thought you were going to say Bex, but. Maybe not. <laughs> I, did, I, I did like Beckham as well, to be fair, but not so much the football side, just for more of the sort of blonde streaks and the try to like, take a cross like him or that. <laughs> he's an unbelievable player as well, but not as good as he can. To be fair, I'm sure my father-in-law, um, John, knows your dad and said that he played junior, but your, your brother, Murray, was a good player as well. Because Murray's the same age as me, and I used to play, remember playing against him. He was a decent footballer as well. Murray was, like, Murray was really good. Like uh, My brother, like, Michael's not going to know him, but he was, he's yeah. a crazy boy. Like he was very, very, he's a daft, daft boy. Like he's got, a, he's got a great bunch of pals, but they were into all sorts when they were younger. Um, he, he kind of went doing the same route as me, like played with Woodside, same manager, done well. Probably, he actually probably had better ability than me, to be honest. Um, he was just, he, he just didn't, he didn't have the desire and he did, he, he lacked a bit of pace. He, he did lack a bit of pace, but he had a, he had a good touch. Um, he, like, he scored some class goals like my pals always used to tell me you should have seen Murray's goal today like, I've seen him score a few beauties as well but he was, he was too much into the drinking and other, other stuff as well like, he, he never had that attitude I actually think he, he was at Dunfermline as well um, probably 12, 13 year old so he just never had that, that desire and he kind of just went down the sort of drinking and joking Women. about do you know what I mean uh-huh. he's, he's done he, you know he's he, no, I'm sure he would say he's got no regrets in that as well. So I'm not, like, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but he was a, he was a really good player. 
Yeah. Sorry, that was a total sidebar, but I used to play against Murray then. He was a great player. But anyway, so started your career, obviously, signed with Rangers. So obviously, I know that you were training a bit with them, but how did that come about? So I always remember the guy's name, Alex Carswell. He was like a local scout. He must have, I'm sure Rangers and Celtic, they all have their, they'll have their local scouts going to all the, the games. And um, you always used to see him turning up with his Rangers jacket on and he would always be chatting to my dad. Um, and you, you know what? See, when you see him, you actually get a proper lift from doing even better. Even at a young age, you see somebody in the crowd or if one of your mates came to watch the game or you see a scout or whoever, it gives you that, it shouldn't, but it gives you that extra sort of desire to go and, like, I'm going to show this guy, like, what I can do. Um, and that's obviously how it, that's, that's how it came about. I know that you obviously got your, your chance and you were in there, and we'll talk a bit about that later, about some of the, the, the managers and the players and stuff that you played with. But you made it on the bench a couple of times. Um, what was that like, sort of getting in with sort of the first team? It must have just been itching to get on the park, though. Ah oh, man, it's I could talk all day about that because like just like obviously knowing coming on the show, you've got things going through your head, thinking about memories and stuff like that. But uh, oh, I, I think I was on the bench five or six. I think it was six times, um, and I actually got away to. Uh, I, w- I went to the UEFA Cup. I travelled to Poland in the UEFA Cup, and I squad there, and just. So what you used to do is you would train with the first team if you were doing well for the youths and the reserves and. The, the manager, whoever he would be, would say, right, he'd say to John Brown or Ian Duran or whoever the, the gaffer was in the, the youth, look, I want to see these three boys. I've been watching their games. They would come to the games, reserve games and stuff like that. I want these three boys to step up. And I, I probably trained with the first team maybe, I don't know, 20 times or whatever. Um, so just like hearing from your, your youth manager, who was a Rangers legend and that, like Stevie, like the manager wants you to go and train with the first team. It's like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. Like buzzing, but very nervous. Um, nervous as well. Um, but what a buzz that was. And to see your name, once you trained uh, with the first team, then they would always put a squad up in the, the Murray Park, the first team changing room. So it'd be a squad with the, the Rangers crest and the logo on it about 18 boys in the squad and you were always like after training you'd run in and you'd like check the board if your name was on it you'd be oh yes I made the squad you know it was like what a feeling that was that was they were they were great feelings just to be told you're going to train with the first team and then actually see your name on the squad and you've got to obviously turn up to the the match day you get a club suit and it's just an unbelievable feeling and to be in the changing room with some of the guys like I hate, I'm not name dropping here, but like your legends of the, like Barry Ferguson, Debut, like Frank Debut, Ronald Debut, like Mikel Arteta. It's like I'm actually sitting next to these guys on the bus in the changing room. It's like I'm a like 18 year old, 19 year old boy, like for five, like what's going on here? So yeah, it's just a, it's a great feeling, like class feeling. Unfortunately, I never, I never got on, and that's, that's what, you can't call it a regret because obviously you're trying your best. But I'm always like, do you know what? If I could go back, I could have, I could have played. I could have played at least one game. I know I could have if I pushed myself that extra ten percent. I could have done it. Like, yeah, but these things happen. But it's a great experience. You get that um, from a lot of players that, that they sort of look back in their careers and a few of the people that we've spoke to said, I could have done this or I could have done that, but. You know, you, you sit, I, I can't remember who it was, if it was Lenny, um, and he sort of came out and was like, you know, you kind of feel like 
you've made it because you're in that squad and you're like, that's it, I've arrived. Was there an element of that, you think? Definitely, definitely. Uh, I know it's all this coulda, woulda, sh- uh, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Like, totally. Yeah. It totally is. But if you really look back and you, you look deep down in yourself, you're like, man, I could have well put more more effort, more work in. If I went back, and I know you can't, 100% could have played a game, at least one game. So to answer your question, like, yeah, when you're when you're 16 year old and you're going in full time, signing with Rangers, like, I've made it, I've made it. Like, yes. I'm going to Rangers Football Club, that's my job. Like, I've just got signed a contract for three years getting a good wage, like a, a great wage for a 16-year-old boy. Well, I was actually 15 when I went full-time, just turning 16, so 15 when I left school. Couldn't believe it. It was, a, it was just it was a dream come true, really. It was. And you do, to an extent, think, oh, 16, 17, there's, there's no way I'm not going to be a top footballer here. Like, so, yeah, you, do, you have that excitement, and obviously it's a bit of naivety as well. Um, but looking back, Great experience, great times. Just wish I worked that a little bit harder and got a bit more luck as well. Uh, I think that, I mean, I know that you've, you've always been unlucky with injuries. Um, and we'll come on to that later on. But did you, did you even get like a friendly run out or anything like that? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I played a couple of friendly matches at Murray Park. Um, we played, I always remember we played St. Murren. And uh, I played, I think I played left back actually. Um, one of the boys got injured. I think I was only, I think I was 18. Uh, and we had our full team out. Like we had, we had the top boys like Barry Ferguson's. I, I can't exactly remember who played, but I remember Bert Conterman was playing centre half. Um, I was playing left back. We had Hutton, Charlie Adam, I think, on the left, like Chris Burke. Just like class, class players. It was a proper, like, it wasn't, it was probably two or three players off like, top team so yeah we played we played there and I was like oh god I am I'm a bit nervous because like all the youth boys were watching as well um because there was a big balcony you could watch like all the managers and that you could watch you could watch the game you get a good view and so all the boys are kind of watching me play and actually I think I think we, we romped them but St. Mun were a good team I think they were uh, I, I think they were in just made it up to the Premier League it was like I think it was a pre-season game um, I think we won like three or four now. Uh, I just kept giving the ball. I just gave the ball inside to Barry Ferguson. He didn't have to move. Like that's the thing at Rangers. Honestly, you you will not believe how much possession of the ball you have. It's it's incredible. Like seventy percent, eighty percent, even in the youths. Like they just couldn't you, they couldn't get the ball off us, and and they always used to just sit back. And I used to play centre half, so you got so much touches of the ball. Um, obviously, when you go down to League Two and League One, it's that probably doesn't suit my game, to be honest, because I was, like, I was not a, I wasn't a big physical centre half. I was probably the smallest centre half in Scotland, skinniest as well, like, um, so that probably didn't suit my game. Um, but back in those days, it was just get the ball, pass it into the, the top players in the middle of midfield. Barry Ferguson, that game was amazing. Just never gave yeah. the ball away because you don't. It's just a great experience playing at that level, and it, it's right. A lot of people will say the higher you go up, the more time you get on the ball. It's so true. If you've got great players around you, keeping possession, making angles, what an easy game it is. Yeah, I mean, we like when we had Steve Archibald at East Fife in the 90s, you saw the class, because he didn't have to move about. He just, he kind of just sauntered around the middle of the park, just spraying the balls about. And it was just that quality from 
from coming through from up the top of the game, really. And when you see a player doing that, it's amazing to watch. Yeah, like that's one thing I've actually I've probably never told my pals, but I, I know about Steve Archibald. Like, how mad is that? Like, he played with his Fife, he played with Barcelona Football Club. Like, that yeah. is like I don't think any many people know that in the Scottish Scottish game, to be honest. But like, that should be that should be shouted about, to be honest. Like, see at Bayview, why is there not like a like there should be big portraits of him playing at East Fife in Barcelona. There should be yeah. things like that around the stadium because that that is unbelievable to play with Barcelona Football Club. Like he fell out with the owners at the time because the rumours were the players were going to go on strike, and the rumours were he was the guy that was behind them going on strike for more money. So then he got sacked pretty soon after that. Shocked the Scottish guys wanted more money, eh? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So. And by the way, just to, to add on to that, the whole point of this podcast is to talk about your career, right? You name-dropped this entire interview. You can feel free to do so. I'm sure if we had Mikel Arteta on, he'd be saying, look, I've played a game with Stevie Campbell. So you've got to... Oh, definitely, <laughs> um, But look, we'll, we'll talk a bit about your, your loan then. So you went on loan to Partick, um, scored, <clears> they played 15 games and scored a goal. So you got your first senior goal at Partick. Do you remember that? No, it's false. <laughs> I know that. I it's weird. I don't know why it's. I don't know why that got. Um, why that's going about? But I. I got. I got a Two weeks in a row. You're not good um, with your research here, Lee. No, no. It actually, I'll, I'll, I'm sad here. I've, I've I've read my own Wikipedia page. Right, that's a bit sad. Right, but it does say I scored for Partick. Yeah. I never scored on my first game. We played Livingston, um, and I think I think I I think I won the corner and I, I crossed the ball and I think. I think I set the goal up, so it's been missed in translation there. So I, cro- I think I set a goal up, but um, Partick came a bit. Did you ask how Partick came about? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was quite funny actually. We played. Um, can't remember who the manager was. I think it was it was Paul Le Guin. Paul Le Guin was the manager at the time, I believe. And um, we played Partick Thistle in a friendly game, uh, Murray Park, and they were in the Championship. Dick Campbell was the manager. Uh, we played, I think a reserve played them. I was playing right back and had a good game. I think I played well. Uh, I was playing against, I always remember, I was playing against the boy um, Adam, what's his name? He was a, I can't remember his second name, but he was an absolute nut job. He was in the jail sell, selling drugs. I think he was selling heroin. He got caught with a knife. He stuck the head in his missus, but he was actually a really talented footballer. Adam Strachan. Adam Strachan, that's the boy's name. Absolute nutter. Decent guy in the changing room. I was playing against him and there was a lot of talk about him like getting moves down south. I remember it because I remember one of the boys in the team must have knew who he was and they're like, by the way, he's class. You need to be on your game today. Like, I think like top teams were looking at him and I was like, shit. <laughs> Not what you want in pre-season, like a top player playing against you. So anyway, I, had a, I remember I played really well against him. Um, had a couple of one-on-ones, done well. And we were just playing on one of the, the pitches at Murray Park. And obviously, like, when you play right back, the managers are standing right on the touchline. And Dick Campbell would have been standing there, probably thinking, he's a decent player. Like, he's done well against one of the better players in the team. So he, got in, he must have got in touch with, the, with our youth manager. Um, and Paul Le Guin at that time, I was tra- I'd done pre-season with the first team. Um, I had a good season the year before. And I got like, my name put forward to go and train with the first team at Rangers do pre-season with them and uh, actually Le Guin was on, one of the only managers that actually spoke to me like 
had a proper good conversation with me after training saying, look, you're a young boy. Like, I like what I see. You're doing really well at training. Like, I like your techniques. I was, an, I was always quite a decent technical player. And never the quickest or the fittest or the fastest, but I was uh, technically good. And he liked that. And he actually, he, he pulled my side. And I, I was like, wow, like, I appreciate that. Like, thanks very much. And that gave me a proper lift. Anyway, I'd done pre-season with them. That wasn't going to get my chance. Um, I think they brought Phil Bardsley up as well from Man United to cover Hutton or whatever. Hutton was playing right back. And I was like, I've got no chance here. Phil Bardsley has played with Man United in the Premier League. So I was kind of wanting to get on loan as well. And Dick Campbell, he uh, contacted the manager and said, look, I'd like to take him on loan. So me and my dad went up to, he lived 20 minutes up the road. He lives in uh, Loch Kelly or Inverkeithen. So he phoned, got my number, phoned me and my dad. Me and my dad went had a meeting with him. He says, look, you've done well. Like, I'm needing a right back. Do you want to come? Come and play? I was like, definitely. I spoke about a wee contract. We'll do a six-month deal. See how we go. So um, that was like the Thursday night. <clears throat> and we had a game on the Saturday. I think it was like the second or third game of the season or whatever. Um, and I got a phone call. He's like, look, Stevie, you've no met any of the boys um, so that, in fact, this must have been a Friday. This, no, this must have been a Thursday night, right? He's like, look, just come in on Saturday. We're playing Livingston uh, at Almondville. Just meet the boys and we'll put you in the stand because you've not trained with them. You don't know any of the boys. I was like, no bother, Gaffer. That's, that's good. No problem, whatever. Um, so anyway, I gets a phone call at nine o'clock in the morning on Saturday morning. <clears throat> All right, Stevie. I'm like, All right. Who's this? It's Dick Campbell here. I was like, right. Hi, Dick. How are you doing? Expecting like, oh, you don't need to come today or whatever. He's like, oh, by the way, you're, you're starting the day. I was like, right. No bother. So I'd never made a senior appearance. So this was going to be my first senior appearance. Um, never met any of the boys. Like, I was like, I remember I was like, I was in Glen office. I think I was going to, I think I was going to the bookies to put a coupon on actually. Sure. And then... <laughs> He just phoned me and I was like, oh, right, no bother. So I ran to the shop and I got a few Lucases and I was like, oh, God. I was proper nervous because I'd never met the boys. Went in the changing room. All right, I'm Stevie. Actually, I knew a couple of the boys, um, senior boys, like from Rangers. They'd moved to Partick. They were maybe three, four, five years older than me. Like, so I knew a couple of them. But like, we had a good team, man. Like Simon Donnelly, uh, Des Young, Derek Young, that's the gaffer's brother. Uh, Bomber Ferguson, Mark Roberts, we had a like, good team, like. so I introduced myself and then went and played, drew one all, I was playing, I played right back against Robert Snodgrass, uh, he was playing left mid for uh, Livy, so he's a, he's a great player, he is like, he's one of the strongest players I've played against, we drew one all, played pretty well, um, so that was how Partick came about, That's good, enjoyed it. I, to be thrown in like that, it's... I guess it, it, it helps get rid of the nerves in a way. I know you've been nervous in the build-up to the game, but you, you then you don't have overnight to think about in a restless night because you're just like, all oh, right, okay, I'm playing. <laughs> but that's what, like, that's that, that's Dick Campbell all over. Like, it's like you don't know what's coming next when. But he was, it was, it was great to work under him. To be honest, like he was probably he admit. I'm sure he would admit himself that he's not the best technician. But you know what? He gets you playing for him and. Uh, we had we had a good party team. I think we we were sitting second in the <clears throat> in the championship. Gretna, I'm sure Gretna Gretna was in the league. I think in St Johnston. Um, so I think I was there for six months, and we were sitting second in the league, like proper flying. Like we've got a chance here. Um, 
But I think I don't think we had a great six, uh, six months after I left. Obviously, you know. That's what I was gonna say. Pleasure away. That was great. I loved it. There's a few funny stories for Partick as well. Like it was. Um, oh, we want to hear those. I remember, so obviously, I played the game on the Saturday. Uh, gaffer after the game. Right. Report on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. So at Partick, like there was these two kit men, like Chico and Jimmy. I think I, I think they've passed away now. Like they were, honestly, they were absolute legends. Like they were kind of like Jimmy Bell, the Jimmy Bell of the, the lower leagues. Like Jimmy and uh, Chico and Ricky, they were. They must have been about five foot each, but they must have been about twenty stone each. They were really like fat guys, and they were, but they were just the life and soul. So I walked in my first day. <clears throat> um, I'd never spoke to them really. I seen them at the game, didn't know who they were. I was like, who's these guys? Um, so I walked in and it's like, Stevie, Gaffer wants to see you. So I walk up the stairs, chap on the office door. Gaffer, you want to see me? No, fuck off, he says. I was like, what? <laughs> like, my first day walked in, chap on the door. Gaffer, you want to see me? No, fuck off. And I was like, oh God, what the, f- what these guys have stitched me up big time. So the next day, <laughs> next day, next day I go in. You leave your boots and your, they take care of your uh, training gear. You leave your boots and shinies that the uh, guys clean the boots and all that. So I walked in, morning boys, morning Chico, morning Ricky, how you doing? Oh, I was like, where's my boots, lads? And my trainers, oh, they're in the gaffer's office. Like, I was just a stupid 19-year-old boy. Ah, oh, they're in the gaffer's office, go and get them. All the, all the kit and that's in there, eh? Knocks on the door, come in. Gaffer, can I get my boots in that? Fuck off, what are you doing in here again? He's shouting at me. I'm like, oh my God. Like, it was just, they were such wind-up man. They were hilarious. The boys loved them. I used to, I always remember, I used to say to the youth boys as well, go, go, go to that house over the road there. They borrowed our spade and broom. Go and get it back. They've not given us it back yet. They've had it for a week, so the young boys would be going knocking on doors and that. Can we get our spade and our broom back and like Mary Hill's a bit mental, so they'd be getting like, fuck off, get away. Like, <laughs> it was a great time, Partick, though. A great, good club in that. Fans are a bit, fans are mental, mm. but like, great time. Like, really enjoyed my time there. I don't know if Leo know this story or if you even remember there's a guy called Harry Field that used to be chairman of the East Five Supporters Club. So, we would have meetings all around Scotland with different supporters groups and stuff. So we went to a meeting at Fir Hill and the, it was a talk that was getting given by the police chief of Scotland. And he was there and then his car got nicked outside while he was inside getting the, the talk from the police chief. So we had, we had to find another way to get home. Then they found his car like ditched somewhere else along the road. Oh, they were me- they were mental. Like, Gla- like you know yourself, Glasgow's mad, but Mary Hill's like one of the rougher areas. Like, so Aye. it was a bit mad. Like, I don't like, remember that boy I told you about. Um, Coles forget his name, Adam Strachan. Like, I remember one time he was from Mary Hill, and obviously been in the jail. He's been in the jail now. Like, he came into training a few times, and he had these he had these fake twenty pound notes. And I swear to God, they were massive. They were like double the size of twenty pound notes. And he's trying to sell the boys. I'll give you 500 quid's worth of notes for 100 quid in that. And we're like, boys are just like, oh, what are you doing, mate? He's got counterfeit money trying to sell it to the boys and that. Like, some's boys up for Mary Hill, like, they're off their head. There was a little bar near near Fir Hill, and it was just the tiniest bar. It was like one of your old-fashioned spit and sawdust pubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'd gone in it as away supporters one day, and we just took a walk in, and everyone stopped. It was like... Someone from a movie, they all stopped and just looked at you and you're like, 
aye, let's let's no drinking here then. No, no. So I mean, how did it not work out then? Could did you get the chance to stay at a particle? Because I know you went back to Rangers and then they they released you. Did you actually have a chat with Walter Smith? Because he'd taken over by that point, or like, did they just basically release you without even chatting to the gaffer? So I remember, like, I remember going back to Partick. It was only a six-month deal, um, and I shot the, the story of my career basically. Um, so many injuries. Like, I think I tweaked my hammy at uh, Partick, so I was I was injured for a lot of the games as well. I ended. I think I played fifteen games or twelve games or whatever. And, and I, I done okay, I done fine, like when I was fit, playing playing regularly, whatever, but just wasn't consistently playing. Injury, like I'd tweak my calf, I'd tweak my hammy about, missed two or three games. And that, like, in, at that time and in those leagues, that's not what managers are wanting, do you know what I mean? They need boys that are going to play every week in, week out. So I went back to Rangers, I think... How old was I? 20? I would have been coming to the... I think I left when I was 21. Just turning 21. So I think I was about 20 at that time. And went back. And obviously, when you go back to Rangers and you've not, you're not standing out or you're not doing great at Partick Thistle, then let's be honest, what are the chances of going to make it at Rangers? So I think new, um, sort of new staff came in. Uh, New youth team staff came in, and I was I was twenty. I was like, I need to get out of here as well. So I knew my, I knew my time was up. I'd had five years there, never made it. So I was like, nah, it's time to move on. Um, so yeah, had to leave. But the thing was, I was actually just before I left, a few months before I left, uh, I was playing reserve games and whatever, and I had a problem with my ankle, um, so, and could never get to the bottom of what it was. Had like MRI scans. I must have had about 50 of them over my blooming five years. I was always in the hospital getting MRI scans and bloody injections or whatever. Anyway, couldn't get to the bottom of this. And I left Rangers and I knew my ankle wasn't right. Um, and I got I got a trial. I went on trial at Stockport County. Uh, they were in League Two. And I was, I'd arranged to go down to Stockport County and Hereford. And Hereford, I think they're in the conference now, but they, yeah. were, they were League Two as well. So I went down there um, after I'd got released from Rangers. Um, just, just like, what am I going to do? Like, Christ, like, what am I going to do here? I want to stay full time. So I was a bit like, God, like, I've got nothing really, but I've got no qualifications, really. Like, I left school at 15. It was never, like, never the best at school or whatever. So I was, I was like, wow, I really need to get a club here. Like, I'm struggling. Um, so <clears throat> I went down to Stockport. Done a week of pre-season training, played a game, played right back again. I think we played a, a ultra charm or something. They're in the conference. I think we beat them three one. I scored and I set one up. Had a good game. Um, on the bus on the way back, the manager pulled me up to the front of the bus. He's like, "Look, we'll offer you a full-time contract. Like you've done well at training for the week. You played well in the game. We'll offer you a deal." I was like, "Right, no bother." I think. I think I vaguely remember he's like, we can offer you 350, 400 quid a week at full time. And I was like, that's like, I'm going to be moving down south. That's not a good, good enough wage to be packing up. And that's not good enough wage to, to leave full time. You know what I mean? To go full time down south. Like, so anyway, I was like, look, Gaffer, let me think about it. I'm going to go down to Hereford because I'd, I'd, I'd agreed to go down there as well just to have a sort of look at the place as well. So I went down there. 
And on my first training session, I went out for a header and I turned my ankle, my bad ankle, which I'd been having problems with. And I was out before I left Rangers. I was out for like three months and we just couldn't get to the bottom of it. So anyway, jumped up, turned my ankle and the tendon came off the bone. So like, I was like, oh my God, it's done. Like, I'm done. Like, there's, there's no going to sign me. Nobody's going to sign me now. So that's why I was out for six months of my right. career um, when I left Rangers. So I had to, had to go and get an operation. Luckily, I got um, a doctor from Harks to do the operation on the NHS. He put me right to the top of the list. And that, that really saved my, maybe not saved my career, but uh, I would have been waiting for months on the NHS to, to get a operation. But luckily, my, I think my Rangers physio looked, or the Rangers doctor spoke to the, the Harks doctor. He says, look, he was a surgeon. Please, can you get Stevie in? Like, decent lad. Like, can you get him up to the top of the list? And Ivan Brenkel, his name was, he's a, he's a heart, he's a, the doctor at Hearts. I don't know if he still is now, but I'm, man, I owe a lot to that man. He'd done like three operations for me and he always put me to the top of the list. Even at his five, like he was brilliant. So he, he really helped me out in my career. So that was good. He'd done that. So yeah, so once I left Rangers, went down there. <laughs> Actually, funny story, when I got injured at Hereford um, and I knew I'd done, I knew I was needing an operation. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? So I was driving back up the road in my car and my mates were all the way to Ibiza. Your, uh, your cousin was there, Gil was there, Ina Nutter. Um, so I was like, what am I going to do? I've got no job, I'm injured, <laughs> my life's over. So I was like, I phoned my pals, I was like, lads, where are you? They're like, oh, we're just, we've just arrived in Ibiza. I was like, right, I'm coming out. <laughs> so I drove home and I phoned the, state, uh, the travel agents and I was like, right, I need to get a flight to Ibiza. So I went and met them, and that kind of drew, I drowned my sorrows for a week there. <laughs> oh, that's understandable, though. I mean, because like when we were doing the research for it, we seen you were out for six months, so I didn't know that that, that was the, the reason why. Like, the longer it went on, like, even though you'd had the operation, did, did you worry that that was going to be it? Yeah, definitely, because, um, as I said, like, see, honestly, I was, five, I was, I think, five years full-time at Rangers, and I, I must have been injured for at least two and a half of those years, like maybe two, two and a half years. So I was always on the treatment table. They had a swimming pool. I was always in the bloody swimming pool at Rangers, like doing like, there was just, it was so weird. There was like, I'd play a game and then I'd walk into Murray Park the next day and I couldn't walk, like, and I'd not got injured that day. It was like, there was bits of bone, like just floating about my ankles randomly. Jeez. One day I'd play a game, I'd, I'd go home, the next day I couldn't walk, so I was like, oh my God, what's going on here? So I had loads of, like, I think I ended up having like seven operations throughout my career. Ankles, knees, like, I don't know, man, just, uh, I was gutting, like, it was so gutting being injured. So, I mean, by that point then, had you given up on full-time football, or did you think, I'll just take anything, basically, that, that comes along about this point? Um, so I, I probably would have been about 21, 22 by that point. Um, and I remember, uh, what did I do? So obviously I was, I, was out, I was out for that six months and then I, I went to Airdrie. I went to Airdrie. Um, they were full time. So I went and played a, I think I played a bounce game. Uh, I, think we played, I think we played a junior team or something. Uh, a decent junior team down in uh, Greenock, down Greenock way. So I went through there, again, playing right back. I, I got packed to right back. I wasn't big enough for centre half. And I done well, 
and, I, and the manager was like, look, we'll sign you. Um, so I went back in full time at Airdrie and that was, that was horrible. I absolutely hate Airdrie Football Club. It's, <laughs> I just, honestly, I remember the first day I pulled up and I seen this guy pulling up in a, a Rolls Royce and he had a big fur coat on. You know what, you seen American Gangster? Yeah. yeah. So Denzel Washington's got the big fur coat on and that's how he gets busted. So this guy, big bald guy, pull, pulls up in his Rolls Royce. He's, I swear to God, he's got the exact same coat on as Denzel in that film. Jumps out the Rolls Royce, like, just walks right past me and I'm like, went in the changing room and the boys was like, met the boys, I was like, who's that guy in the Rolls Royce by the way? He's like, ah, that's the chairman, he's a, he's a wanker. Eh? I was like, ah, you're no joking, eh? He was a dickhead. Like, obviously, the, there was a few decent boys at the club. Like, I got on well with a number of boys. Um, there was a few absolute fannies, like, a few Ouija boys that were just bad eggs. The fans were atrocious. Mm. Like, we were, honestly, Airdrie, we, we actually finished second in the league and we got promoted. So we, we were winning. We are winning all the time. We finished second. I, th- I can't remember. I think Rovers maybe won the league and we finished second, but we actually, they got promoted because Gretna went bust. So we actually got up to the next league. Yes. So we were winning all the games. And I remember winning two or three, one at, um, at Airdrie Stadium. And the fans were booing us, like, because we're trying to keep the ball in the corner. They were like giving us pelters because we're just like, right, we're 2 1 up, 3 1 up, let's keep the ball in the corner, like play out the 2 1 win or the 3 1 win. And they're giving you absolute pelters. They were not nice people. Like, that was a disgust. That was a terrible experience at Airdrie for six months. They always oh, had this. They had a, a set, I don't know if they're still around, Section B, which was their right wing yeah. skinhead group. And it's like, we'd come across those back in the day when East Fife and Airdrie were in the same league in like the late 80s and stuff. And it's like, it was always a pretty unsavoury place to go to. At the old uh, Broomfield and then the new stadium as well. It's like, yeah, not one of my favourites. No. Completely soulless like, ground as well. Oh, mate, aye, it's like, it's actually like, it is, I know what you mean. It's a nice stadium, like proper 10,000 seater stadium. Like, but the park, the park was terrible. We used to train over at the, it was before it was Astro, it was Grass Park, but it always used to flood. It was like a bog. And we used to train over at the public parks as well. So the, the parks were just, you know, the big grass area at Airdrie. That's where we used to train. And it was, it was awful. Like, and I remember just driving through from Glenrothes every day, like, driving in my car and honestly see as you soon, soon as you hit Livingston area it starts pissing it down every time you drive through there I don't know what it is like it just rains all the time and I was like I had a my ankle was still hurting me and I'm playing with these guys and like half the team I'm like I, I, I don't like these guys as teammates like it was it was a, it was just a horrible atmosphere everything about it so I was like I left, I only signed this when I got fit and I think I had like four months left of the season. So I was, I was like, there's no danger. Even if they offer me a contract, there's no way I'm staying here. So I was like, what can I do now? Like, what am I going to do? Like, I still want to be full time, but I'm running out of options here, getting a bit older. So I was like, right. I've always wanted to live abroad and stuff like that. I was like, ah, maybe go to Australia, just randomly. Like, I was like, I'll go to Australia. Um, so I went to Australia and played out there for a year and I loved it. <laughs> I loved football again. You got yourself out there and... And it was so just for the listeners, you signed for Perth, um, which yeah. is in Australia's football West State League. So that's the second tier in Australian football. So was that just right? I'm going to go out there. And how did you find a club? Did, did you because I know that Jabba went over there. Was it through Jabba? Or? 
No, um, no, it wasn't because he's over the he was over the east coast, <clears throat> Melbourne area. I went to Perth, like. Um, so I maybe did. I maybe did contact Jabba. You know, I maybe said, "Look, how are you getting on?" I probably did. You know, I can't really remember, but I probably said, "How are you getting on? Is it any good?" And I'm. I've spoke to Jabba a few times over the years, and he absolutely loved it. Um, so I was like, what have I got to lose here? Um, so I spoke to Dave McPherson, remember, the Hearts legend and yeah. the Rangers, big Dave McPherson. <clears throat> he was a scout, um, or sorry, he was an agent. He was an agent, and he, um, I can't remember how I got in touch with him. I maybe spoke to somebody for Rangers or something. I don't know, I can't remember. But I got in touch with him, and I just phoned him, and I said, look, I'm looking for a move, move out of Australia. Uh, I've had that. Like, I was at Air. I've told told them about my career or whatever. He maybe spoke to like uh, John Brown or Durante, my youth coach, and he would he would ask a bit about me, you know. So he knew I was a decent player, um, and he had contacts out there. So I was like, Do you know what? I'm going to give it a bash, um, and I went for it, man. And it was what a what an unbelievable year that was. It was amazing, like one of the best times of my life out there. Incredible times. So you had a, obviously a, a year out there and, and, and we spoke to, to Dougie Cameron last week. I don't know if you've listened to that one yet, but he said the same, that he wished he'd stayed out there longer. So what was it like, the whole experience of playing football? Because obviously it's not the main sport out there, but you know, was it, was it a good fan base? Was it a decent standard? Um, yeah, uh, Dougie, I listened to a bit of Dougie's. I listened to a bit of Dougie. He's a, Dougie's a brilliant lad. Uh, all the Dundee boys, man, they're, they're off their head, but they're absolute hilarious boys so I listened to a wee bit of that it was good um, so it was a part time club and there was probably they actually paid decent money they paid decent money because um, Western Australia Western Australia has got it's got big money so they've got investors and stuff I'm not saying it was amazing money but it was it was enough to get by and have a good is it really great money no 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 it wasn't that much. <laughs> remember Goran Stanich I'm sure he was on bloody 800 a week when Willie Gray was there, <laughs> and he never kicked the ball. He was a good lad as well, actually. But no, so anyway, it was decent enough money. And do you know what? Five or six of the boys could have easily played like League One, League Two in Scotland. And probably one or two of them could have played maybe no Premier League, but definitely Championship because they were top two. Two of the boys were really, really good players, just not quite good enough to make it into the the top league there they were a bit older but they were quality players and it was actually it was an Italian Perth soccer club used to be called Perth Azzurri so they were an Italian based club so a lot of the older guys in that and they had a lot of Italian sort of players there as well so they were it wasn't like it didn't feel like you were playing with just Australian boys there was a lot of Italian influence there so a few right good players and I got treated really well over there um I made some. I made three, three or four brilliant pals. Still speak to them nowadays, um, and I had an absolutely unbelievable time. Like every weekend, I was out, out with the boys. We were all single lads. Well, kind of single, but we were, um, <laughs> and we were out every. We were out every weekend, and they were going to the beach. And, oh, it was just. It was just an. It's just a great place. Um, actually, my missus, her auntie and uncle live over there. We went over there a couple years ago and I met the, met one of my mates the other two boys were away they live somewhere else now in Australia so I met the boy Trent and he was actually I had a, I had my worst injury over there I had a, had a double leg break over in Australia and that's why I had to come home it was actually Trent who done it we were training one day and he he, he fucking died. Like, he didn't mean it 
it was a straight legger, and I'm stand, I was standing on one of my legs, and he came in and like snapped my, my leg in two, and it was hanging out right angles, man. It was terrible. And I, I even, I've said to him before, I was like, Trent, man, I seen him two years ago. I says, mate, I can't thank you enough for that because I probably wouldn't be where I am now if this didn't happen because maybe I would have thought, you know what, I could maybe go back and be full time again instead of, that's when I kind of knew, I was like, nah, this is it. I need to go and do something else. I'm getting injured too much and I can't rely on football now. So came back from that and then I joined East Fife actually once I got better after a year out. So yeah, Div, they said that he bumped into you in like River Island or something like that. He's taking <laughs> the credit for, for bringing you back to, to East Fife. So what, how, how did the East Fife thing come about then? Was, was it Div, was he getting the, the credit? Honestly, I genuinely cannot remember. Um, I had, um, you know, Pete Mc, Paul McQuaid and Pete McQuaid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pete McQuaid, obviously, absolutely. He's a great, he's a brilliant guy, Pete McQuaid, and he was a class player for East Fife, proper legend. Uh, and Paul, I used to play with his son, Paul McQuaid. Obviously, he was at East Fife for a while. He's a really good player as well, but I played with him at Boys Club. <clears throat> and Pete and my dad, they always got on. I think they played together at the Glens, maybe. Um, so I'm sure, obviously, Pete's always been affiliated with East Fife. I think he maybe actually spoke to the manager, maybe, um, and maybe spoke to Dave Bakey and says, look, uh, Stevie's looking for a club or... And then I, I'm, I went in and it was just the end of the era for Dave Bakey and all these guys. But I always remember being in the changing room with uh, like your Stephen Tweeds and your Doogie Camerons and Bibby. I'd, never, I'd not signed because obviously I was, um, I was out for about eight months or a year. So I was just training with East Fife and I was trying to get my fitness back. And So I never played with these boys, but I trained with them. And there were, there were mad cases like that, that dressing room. All the stories you they've heard on the podcast it's all true and it's it's crazy they were mad 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 guys I'd, I've been telling like some folk from over here has listened to the show and then other folk that haven't I've been telling it and they they just can't believe when I'm telling them all this stuff that happened because it's just so different to what things are like out here and it's like I, I just discovered a couple of really good Twitter accounts as well, just about mad stuff that happens in lower league Scottish football, and I've been sharing that over here, and everyone's loving it. But, I mean, you ended up staying at Bayview for, for seven seasons. You became captain. You won a championship. When you first signed, did you think, oh, this is just a stopgap, I'll kind of just maybe be here a season or so and decide what I want to do, or... At what point did you decide? Oh, you know, I'm. I'm think I'll be here for a while. Uh, that's a good question, actually. Like, I, I probably never thought. You know what? I'm just going to get my fitness back and go full time because, as I said, like I realised when I broke my leg in Australia, I was like, nah. Like my mum, like my mum and dad, they'd always supported me in that, and they've they've took me all around all around Scotland to Rangers, and and they were kind of even saying, look, what are you going to do now? Like, you're maybe not going to make a full, t- you're not going to do a full time, like it's no, it's not a stable career, you keep getting injured, like you need to think about things and my mum my and dad are brilliant, honestly, they always used to come to every game I played and stuff like that, so I was like, you know what, I think, I think they're right, so going to East Fife and being part time, um, it was absolutely perfect for me, not only because it was a brilliant club and I loved, I, I, I wouldn't say I loved every minute, but I loved 75, 80% of it when we're doing well. It also gave me an opportunity to go and um, I went to college. I went to college for a couple of years. Cause I, as I said, I left school when I was 15 and I was not the brightest spark 
Um, I used to muck about at school. Uh, I was a bit daft and stuff like that. So I had no qualifications. So I was like, my mum and dad are like, Look, you used to love PE teaching. Why don't you go and do like a sports course? So I found out from the unis what did I need to get into, into university. And they told me what I needed to do. You need to go and do a HNC at sport. You need to do some English. So I've done a night course of English and I've done some sports HNC stuff full time. Took me a couple of years. That was hard work. <laughs> Very hard work. So I couldn't even write a blooming essay. Like <laughs> I used to hand in uh, work to my tutors and they'd be like, Stephen, you can't be writing essays now. You're going, you want to go to university and you're writing your essays on paper. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't, know how to, like, I don't even know how to blooming type an essay on a computer. So I had to basically start from scratch. But it gave me a total... It gave me a great opportunity to make a little bit of money because um, a lot of people who go to college and uni man I don't know how they do it they've got mm. to work in they've got to work in jobs like proper full-time jobs or part-time jobs and study and I'm like I take my hat off to that now but I needed all the time I could to do my studying and stuff you know so East Fife on my doorstep great club like just aye that's that was perfect it was a perfect match for for what I wanted to try and achieve fantastic to to hear that and during all this, of course, as well, as you said, it was some ups and downs at East Fife. Lee's going to cover maybe a bit of the downs, I think, in a little bit. But if I look at the ups, you were in the team that won the championship with Gary Naismith. And we had Gary on the show and he spoke very highly of you, which coming from a guy that's played at the top of the game, it must have been good to hear. But what was it like working under him? Oh, Gary, Gary's... Gary's a legend, man, honestly. Like, see if you didn't know Gary, if you didn't know Gary, you'd just think he was a normal guy. And you would you you'd think this guy's brand new. If you met him in the pub and you'd never watched football, you'd be like, this guy's sound like you wouldn't know. Like he'd played so many games in the Premier Premiership for Everton, Sheffield United, Scotland. He's just a top guy. And and do you know what? <laughs> a lot of people can't figure out, like a lot of the lower league managers don't I don't know what doesn't like uh, work in their brain, but some of them are just assholes, like, yeah. and they don't understand that you need to be a, you need to be a decent guy first and foremost before any football comes into the equation. Like, if you're not a decent guy and people don't respect you and don't want to play for you well, then you're not going to be successful in the game. And Gary Naismith knew exactly how to speak to people. Very professional, obviously. Training was brilliant. Dougie, Dougie um, done all the sort of the drills and stuff, but the gaffer knew exactly what the boys needed. He knew they needed to work. We trained on a Tuesday, Thursday. His training was brilliant. Um, he got the best out of the boys. Um, he, know when, he knew when to give them a rocket up the arse. He knew when to go mental. But he also knew when to maybe put the arm around you. He was very personable. Um, and he knew, obviously, he knew his stuff, man. He was a brilliant defender. Absolute brilliant defender. Like, coached, coached the defence. He knew exactly how he wanted to play. And the guy, I'll, I always look up to the guy. He's, a, he's just a gentleman, you know. And, I, and, I, and I'm positive if he... I don't think Queen of South was the right move for him, to be honest. But obviously, you're going to take that chance. But I, think, I, I know for sure if he gets another chance, a bit more experience, I'm sure... I think he's as good as Robbie Nielsen and Stevie Crawford. And obviously, I think Cross still... Is Cross still at Dunferman? Aye. He's as good as him, honestly. He's as good as him, and he's and he's and they three guys I've just named there, they're all made from the same stuff. They're all mm-hmm. really good guys, very personable, very professional, 
played at a very high level, all of them. So I'm like, Gaz, Gary Naismith, man, he's got to, he's going to, he's going to be a good manager if he gets another chance, for sure, for sure. I know Michael's got a lot more experience than me interviewing some a lot um, higher reputation people, but I was absolutely bricking it to speak to Gary before it. I really was because he's a player that I held in such high regard and what he did at East Fife, like absolute hero status for me. So I got his number, his email address from Liam Anderson and I was messaging him back and forth. I was like, God, this guy's sand. And he came on and it was, it was like chatting over a few pints with my mate. He was just literally the nicest guy you couldn't wish yeah. for. It's been one of the favourite interviews I've done. And it was like you said, I'd never spoken to him before because I'd been over here. And it was like an old mate. You'd just met him in the pub and you're just chatting away. And you're right with what you say for a manager. And like Lee and me, Lee's a current manager. I used to be a bank manager. If you you don't treat the staff right and they don't like you, they're not going to work for you. And it's the same in football. Because we had a guy out here with the Whitecaps, Carl Robinson, former Welsh international and that was what he always told me. He was like, you've got to, there's a line between being their friend and like being tough. So he, his number two was a guy that then bollocked the, them. And then he was the nice guy, even though he was the one that was telling the number two to bollock them and stuff. But you've got to have that in football. Continuing there on the Gary Naismith theme and the championship win. What's your memories of that season? I take it you look at that as like the highlight of your career winning the championship. Oh yeah, def- Definitely. Definitely one of the, I would say number one. It's got to be number one. Like obviously, being on the bench and stuff for Rangers, you're only on the bench. Do you know what I mean? You're on the bench, but um, that's definitely one of the highlights of my career. Hundred um, percent. That was that was phenomenal because I can't remember exactly how the season went, but I know this. And I, I remember, I remember sitting maybe fourth or fifth or something like that for a period of time, and. For, for me being at East Fife, like, that was the sort of story of it, you know. We were always, Robo, uh, John Robertson had us and we were, I think we maybe made the top four or we just got off it and we were so close, but we never pushed on. But something felt different about that season. As I said, the first sort of little while of the season, we were doing okay, we were doing fine. And then something just clicked, man, honestly. It was, it was mad. Something just clicked and... I can't remember how many games it was, but it was double figures, I think. We went unbeaten, but we were winning. We were winning so many games. Um, personally as well, I remember I remember training one night, and it was midway through the season, or maybe just a third of the way through the season. I was training, we were training at um, Edinburgh, and we were doing a session, and uh, I was, we were training, and I went over my ankle again, and I heard a big pop, and I was like, that's me. I'm going to retire. I'm finished. That's, I thought I'd broke my ankle. And um, I had to go to the hospital. My, my ankle went up like a balloon. So I went straight to the hospital after training that night. And I was like, that's, that's my career finished. Because I knew I maybe not got a new contract for these five. Or I, th- I can't remember if I knew I was moving away at that time already. But I was like, that's me done. I've broke my ankle. I'm finished. Luckily, I just pulled my ligaments, damaged my ligaments. So it took me a maybe... I think I was out for five or six weeks and uh, I went back into the team um, and, I, and Gary played me, I think, I don't think, I think we're doing okay, but Gary put me centre mid. He's like, I'm going to try you at centre mid, just sit in the centre mid. And um, me and Pat, Pat Slattery um, got a good wee combination going there. And I always felt playing at East Fife that 
as a centre half, I played most of my career at centre half. I always felt that there was always a little bit of gap in the mid, between the midfield and defence, and I always felt for some reason that teams could get a clean, a clean, a clean breakaway basically, and they were right onto defence. That was just my feeling as a defender, and my fitness wasn't that great at the time. So I was like that to Pat. Pat, you just run up, and I'll just sit in front of the back four. And you know what? It actually kind of worked. Like I just sat because I was a centre half. I knew how to try and stop the passes into the striker's feet. I tried my best to just defend and help the boys and make it a back five and make it solid. And we had boys like Fash and Kyle Wilkie and Kev Smith. And they boys were on fire. They were on fire. So I was like, just you just sit back. I'll stay there. That's fine by me. And we went on a run. I can't remember, Lee. I don't know if you remember or you, Michael. But, man, we must have won like seven games in a row or something. It just overtook everyone. And we felt unstoppable. It was, it was a great feeling. And I remember one time, I can't remember, it came, we drew with somebody, it might have been Stenhouse Muir, we drew one all after winning seven or eight games on the bounce and everyone was absolutely gutted. I think it was one all at Stenhouse Muir and the gaffer and Doogie came in and they're like, boys, we played well. And they're like, boys, we've just won seven in a row. Like, come on, it's fine. Don't worry about drawing. You're still, you're near the top of the league or you're second. Just keep it going. But the boys were absolutely gutted, and that just showed that that showed me like the boys are devastated. We've lost, we've dropped two points here, and we're like, we're going to win the league. We're unstoppable here, and we got onto it again. We got back, we got back off that draw, and we started winning more games. But like, honestly, that team, it probably maybe wasn't the best ability team, but we had three or four players like Kev, Fash. Kyle Wilkie and they boys on their day, man, they were unstoppable. But even the back four, like I could name every one of the boys and everyone who played week in, week out, they were at eight out of ten, like, and nobody, nobody could stop us. And it was a great feeling, a great feeling. I remember watching just the rise up the table because I couldn't come over for any of the games and the running because that's like the start of the season here. So it's like super busy time. And I was just watching it going, oh, that's my big regret. I never got to see any part, any of that season live. It's like 2007-8, I was there before. I left halfway through that and then I came in at the end. But fuck, I just wish I'd been there for that. Lee's lucky. He's He's been spoiled. He's seen two championships in his lifetime. I think that that's why. That's why, mate. Because I've been supporting him. I'm taking credit. Um, so... <laughs> Don't take it personally. My dad says the same thing as well. Like, you didn't make him how lucky you've had it. But I mean, I started supporting us when we were like finishing second, third, bottom of the second division and getting bullied at school for wearing these five kits. So I've had my fair share of downs as well. Like You, you were in the dressing room with some of those Dundee boys. You, you're bound to have had some stories. Have you got any that we've not heard? Um... Yes, I've got a few, but they're, they're not really about the Dundee boys. They're about the bloody Fife boy, Paul McManus, a.k.a. Shagger. Excellent. Uh, yeah, that guy, he's an absolute lunatic, but he's... <laughs> I used to pick him up for training every, every time. He, he, I think he's had, what, three stints at the club? Yeah. Four. Is it four? Four. four. He just keeps coming back, eh? He keeps coming back, like... But I, I spent maybe, I don't know, three or four years with Shagger at the club, and honestly... He, I don't know when he passed his driving test, but he was way into his 30s, so I used to pick him up. I used to live, uh, I moved, when I moved and bought my house, I moved, like, I was, t- like, 30 metres, his house was, like, a stone's throw away. So I used to take him to training, and I used to look forward to every single car journey, regardless of where <laughs> we were going, because I knew 
I would get some laugh. And we had a good car school. We had like um, Div, and Div and Shagger and uh, Cargy and like Scott McBride, like good lads. But Shagger's stories, they were absolutely hilarious. Um, a couple of stories about Shagger. Um, so Billy Brown, when Billy Brown was the manager, sure, I was injured. Me and Shagger were injured. So I drove Shagger in. I used to uh, peep my car outside, peep my car when he was uh, like going to pick him up. And he came out and he, it was Halloween. And he had, um, you know, Beetlejuice with the big black and white suit and the big mask thing Aye. and the green hair. He came out and he had the big Beetlejuice outfit on, but it, was, it wasn't just a mask, it was a suit. It was a three-piece suit and the big uh, hair and the proper mask and that. I was like, what are you doing, mate? We're, we're fucking, we're bottom of the league here. And you're going to go in and Billy Brown is going to go absolutely mental at you. <laughs> and we were both injured as well, right? <laughs> to make things better. So anyway, before training, Shagger was hiding in the physio room because he didn't want Billy Brown to see him. Um, but, so we got a treatment and we went out and the boys were training over the back of Bayview, you know, the big grass area, the nice grass pitch at the back. And I'm like, Shagger, what are you doing, man? He's like, what's this, man? What's this? <laughs> I'm sure I've got on video somewhere. So I was like, honestly, mate, I was like, don't, you shouldn't be doing this, man. I'm usually egging people on to do stuff, but I was like, man, <laughs> we're, we're sitting second bottom of the league here. This isn't going to go well with Billy Brown. Anyway, he runs into the training. And Billy Brown's talking, showing everybody a drill, and he runs, and there's about 10 footballs just all piled together. And he just runs over and he boots them as hard as he can everywhere, sh- shouting Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. And I'm just like, ah, oh my God. <laughs> all the boys, all the boys are in stitches. And to be fair, Billy Brown was pissing himself laughing like, you know, <laughs> but that could have went, that could have went a different way. Um, another good Shagger story. So obviously, when we won the league, the club paid for us to go to Magaluf. Um, so we're like, we don't want a bonus. Give us a holiday. So we went to Magaluf. Uh, that, was, that was an incredible few days. All the, the chairman, uh, Gary Naismith, all the staff, Magaluf for four days. So I, I was just to tell Shagger, I was like, Shagger, go and do that. I was just to egg him on. I was like, we were standing at a bar and it had the bucking bronco. You know the bucking bronco that goes round and tries to throw you off? I was like, Shagger, the boys will love it if you get naked and just jump on that. He's like, aye, all right. But the bar was full, like 50 people. Eh? So Shagger gets all his clothes off in the middle of Magaluf, jumps on the bull, he's riding the bull naked, out naked, proper naked. Eh? Everyone's in stitches, like. <laughs> oh, it's the video so of that one. So funny. So funny. Just, honestly, that boy's head, I don't know what goes through it. He's like, four or five year older than everybody travelling with him, like mid-30s or whatever. Like, we would be driving to Brecon and he'd just go, Stevie, stop the car. No, in fact, he's passed his test by now, so he's like, Stevie, uh, he stopped the car at Ladbrokes and he he put his window down to a woman and he's like, he always used to put this silly voice on, he's like, excuse me, pal, where's the bookies? And the woman turned around and just went, there, it's there. And he tried to just like drive away and just be a wide but then he tried to drive away and he stalled the car. We just exploded there, like we're just pissing ourselves. And this woman's like, "What are you? Like, what's going on here?" That's just—it just sums him up. Like, he's a nutter, but funny, funny guy, funny guy. Well, I've got a question to ask you. So I don't know if you listened to Div's one, where we did a bit of a true or false. Yeah. Um, 
Now, you've been spared because when I spoke to Paul, he was like, nah, Steve, Stevie was one of the quieter ones. He did tell me to ask you about Beetlejuice, so you've saved me that question. <laughs> now, this, this one hasn't come from Paul, but it's from a Mr. Anonymous that wanted me to ask you, had you ever shit yourself while playing a game? Um, well, very close, actually. Very, very close. <laughs> I, I was playing for Airdrie. I remember I was playing for Airdrie. And my stomach, there was something wrong with my stomach, man, honestly. Uh, oh, in fact, there's two times, actually. Uh, <laughs> so I ran out, I ran out feeling shocking. And I always used to, you know how folk have got their sort of superstitions? I used to always run and, like, jump and pretend to header a ball, you know, to get, like, yeah. your kind of, I don't know, a spring in your step. And I, as I jumped, I kind of farted, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so, luckily, <laughs> so, obviously, like, who was, who was the manager at uh, Bayern Munich? Remember he got caught sticking his hands down his pants in the World Cup and he was like sniffing his hands. So him low. Luckily, luckily, Airdrie never had that many fans. So I turned around to the, the, the stand with no fans and I kind of just checked and I was like, I didn't sniff it, but I just had a look and I was like, wow, thank God didn't, I didn't do it. But another <laughs> time as well was um, we played up at Elgin and you, we used to stop for pre-match meal, obviously that bloody bus journey. And um, so this is another shagger story. So we're drinking, I had, a, like, had a, other fish in our, egg, our pasta or whatever. And I, had a, I always had a little coffee, trying to get a wee buzz before the game. So I had a, a coffee and I went to the toilet. And when I came back, right, we're on the bus, boys, let's go. Gaffer's getting us on the bus. So I was like, right, I, had a wee, I had maybe half a cup left. Just when I had, down my cup of coffee, 20 sugars he put in it. He put 20 spoonfuls of sugar in it when I went to the toilet. I swear to God, man, I shouldn't have played that game because every, I, I nearly shot myself again. <laughs> I think we got beat three. I think we got pumped. We got pumped and I was like, shagger, man, that was the order, like, hey, but it just killed me, man. Was that the Scottish Cup game? It, honestly, it could have been because mm. I think we got hammered, mate, and I'm running about like, oh, I'm going to shit myself. <laughs> 20 sugars. <laughs> but obviously, all the boys were, like, when I downed it, they were all pissing themselves. I think he actually put a poker chip in it as well, because we're playing poker on the bus. So it was a poker chip and 20 sugars, and I downed it, and I was, I was done. We got absolutely pumped as well, so I'm blaming Shagger on that. Nah, my blame will solely lie on Callum Antel for that game, because he was a useless bastard. Anyway, so... <laughs> Poppy Dom hands that boy, like... Anyway, so... I want to talk to you, obviously we spoke about some of the great managers that you've played under um, or, or, or worked with, you know, the Walter Smiths, Alex McLeish, even Paul Le Guin probably gets an honorary mention, Gary Naismith, Stevie Crawford. Where does yeah. Willie Aitchison rank in that? Oh man, I vowed never to speak that man's name again. Honestly, how he got a job in prof- professional football yeah. goes beyond me. It, like, and not because, listen, see if he was a good guy. Again, I would, I would give, all the boys would try, try their best for him. I would give 100%. And I'll, listen, don't get me wrong, I always give 100%. But this guy was an absolute tool of a man. Like the first time I met him, I remember going into Bayview. And I think the season before, I, I had a pretty decent season. I, I probably only played about 15 games or something. Shock. But I think I ended up getting, I think I had a few man in the matches. And I ended up getting like... Um, Fans player of the year. So I had a decent season overall. So I remember getting called into Bayview, our new manager, Willie Aitchison, blah, blah, blah. And I go in 
and I walk into the boardroom in Bayview and we're sitting at the big table and there's, a, there's eight people at the table. Like, um, I can't remember who was all there, but all the directors and um, all these guys, like great guys, really, really top guys that I've always um, had a lot of respect for. And I walked in and I was like, hi guys, shook all their hands because I've not seen them for a while. Uh, and he basically said to me, he's like, um, oh, by the way, we're cut, like, we need to cut the wages and that, so you're going to get a 50 quid wage cut. And I was like, I was like, I was a bit uncomfortable because usually you just meet the manager and the assistant or just the manager himself and you, d- you discuss contracts and you negotiate. But he just went straight for me and he's like, oh, by the way, you need to take, like, probably said hello and everything, but he was like, oh, you need to take a 50 pound wage cut. And I was like, I'd heard rumors of like um, the French boys coming in full time. I think mm. you always hear things for clubs, oh, they're on 400 a week or 300 a week or whatever. And I was like, Listen, I was like, I had a good season, like player of the year, whatever. Um, I think I'm worth. I think I'm worth a bit more than that. So why are you cutting my wage? But you're like, I know other boys are getting good money. And he's like, this is exact word for word what he said. He says, I'd, and and keep in mind, I'd been at the club for like four or five years or whatever. He's like, if you're not going to sign for that, I can get fifty boys from the street that'll take that wage and sign for me and play in your position. And I was like, I'd literally met the guy for two minutes. And that's, that's word for word what he said. If you're not going to sign the contract, I can get 50 boys, anyone, and I could get them into the club and they'll play for me for that. And I was like, aye, but Willie, they're not going to be as good as me. Like, not being a dick or that. Yeah, but like, good answer. We're going to get boys coming for less mu- like that much money that are probably better than me. So I was like, I really, I lost the plot. I was, I was like, we were kind of arguing back and forward. It was so embarrassing because I knew all the directors and all the older guys in the club and I had a lot of respect for them. I liked them and they liked me. And it was just it was such a weird, weird thing. And I was like, I, I was like, guys, I'm going to stop, stop right there. I said, I apologise to everybody. I'm getting a bit heated here. I'm going to leave, right? So I was like, I walked up and I was like, see you later. Eh? And... A couple of my like, oh, right, sit down, sit down, come on, let's sort this out. And I was like, nah, I'm away, I'll, I'll speak to you later, because I was raging. Eh? Um, so anyway, it got all sorted out, and I think I think we, we met halfway. I took a little cut, all right? Maybe I took a 25 quid wage cut or whatever. Um, that, that was the start of it, really. Um, and the guy, he just wasn't a good guy. It was quite funny, though, because um, my dad was like, look, just leave, just leave and go and get another club. And I was like, Dad, I don't know why to leave. Like, I love it. Like, I enjoy it here, even though we're not having the best of seasons previous or whatever. I was like, look, I don't want to leave. And I was like, I'll tell you what's going to happen. The boys for France are going to chuck it in November, December time when we go and play breaking away and it's pissing it down and it's freezing. And I said, the boys he's brought in, they're not good enough because I knew, I knew a few of them and I'm like, they're not good enough. We're no better than we were last year. I says, he'll, get his, he'll, be, he'll be sacked in four months. I guarantee it. And I wrote the script word for word. The French boys, do you know what? They were nice lads and they were actually decent players, but they weren't, that isn't going to suit French boys playing in the second division on a, on a rainy day where they, they have time to turn and make a pretty pass. It just wouldn't work. And I knew that from the start. Um, and he, he just, he, he was just a, he wasn't a nice guy. He actually, it was quite funny though. Um, so I was like, right, I'll sign, I'll sign the contract, Lily. So we negotiated, I signed the contract. 
And then after they signed the contract, this is quite bad to me. I was like, by the way, Willie, I'm, uh, I'm going to miss three weeks of pre-season because I'm going to America because my mates had um, started a wee business and they, I went out coaching in America um, and we'd, we'd done two weeks coaching and we travelled the West Coast of America. So we were like LA, uh, San Diego, like Vegas, San Francisco. So we travelled about and had a mad party time. It was brilliant. But we're trying, I was keeping fit as well, right? So anyway, I was like, signed the contract. I was like, um, Willie, just to let you know, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss the first three weeks of pre-season. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, oh, I've got a good job opportunity in America and I need to go and like work for a few weeks to make some money. And then he's like, well, you fucking better keep fit over there because I'll be like, you'll be getting pumped when you get back and that. And I was like, aye, aye, no bother. Uh, you remember, Andrew, remember Andrew Cook? Cookie? Aye, yeah, yeah. Aye, the left back. Cookie was there and he's, a, he's the fittest guy you've ever seen, right? So me and him, were doing running, we're keeping fit. Anyway, I get back from um, Vegas and that, uh, and I was training. In, I was training the next day, or the day after, and I went to the gym at the Millennium in Glen Office, and I was like, right, I'm going to do some squats, like do some squats here. And I went to do a squat, and my groin, I pulled my groin, right. <laughs> so my groin just went ping, and I was like, oh fuck, what's what, <laughs> what's going to happen now? I'm coming back from missing three weeks of pre-season, and I told the manager I'm going to be fit, like flying. And I've pulled my groin. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> He's going to, like, we hate each other already. We've met each other twice. He's going to fucking hate me. So anyway, went into training on the, the, the next day or whatever, pre-season, like, and my groin, was, my groin was done, man. So I was, like, jogging about, hobbling about, trying to do a pass or a run. And he's like, Stevie, what's wrong with you? I was like, my groin's fucked. <laughs> he's like, <sighs> he went mental. He's like, just go in. Just get in. And I was like, right, no bother. Anyway, so I was out for about four weeks, but he pulled me in his office. He pulled me in his office the next training session. He's like, look, just leave his Fife Football Club because you're never going to play for me again. Like, there's no way you're playing for East Fife Football Club when I'm the manager. So this was our next conversation. <laughs> I, was like, he's, I was like, well, you can just pay me my contract then because I'm not leaving for free. Like, so I didn't have a club. I was at hmm. uni, you know, I was at college or whatever. I needed, a bit, I needed the money. I never, didn't have a job. So I was like, well, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just sit tight and you can pay me my money then. Um, anyway, a few weeks later, he was, we were doing shit. We were losing. We were terrible. Um, I got back fit. Um, and then he's like, he brought me in the office. He's like, look, Stevie, look, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Like, I was out of order in that. And I was like, I was like, I need bother, man. He's like, you're going to play. Like, you're going to play on Saturday. We're playing Strumrad away. I was like. Aye, no bother, that's fine. Anyway, we played, played against them. I think we got beat 2-1. Um, and I, I think I played okay. And then after the game, he was like, boys, fucking, these were, these were hopeless in that. And then he was like, Stevie Campbell, you were a warrior out there today. You were tremendous. That's what I want. Everyone, I want you to play like that. That's how we win games in that. And I was just like that. Oh my God, what is going on here? Like, it just... It, he had bi- he was bipolar or something, man. He was so weird. It was just a terrible experience. But then we wrote the script. We knew it was going to happen. The boys hated him. He was off ski. Never to be seen again. Well, he did become yeah. the manager of Airdrie Football Club. And that sums Airdrie Football Club up as well. Was that, that, that must have just been an amalgamation of the two <laughs> things that you hate the most in life. Just got together. <laughs> they were made for each other. They were made for each other, man. 
Uh, I mean, the guy was a, a taxi driver or something like that. And I remember I was at the announcement when, when Lee Murray took over. And I'll be honest with you, I liked Lee Murray. I thought he was a really, really nice guy. It was a shame that it didn't work out for him um, at his Fife. I think his, his, his ideas were, were more grand than what we were capable of. But, um, I mean, so many mental things happened under Willie H. And, like, I remember, like, Naddy kicking about and, like, one of my favourite players that I've seen is like Stephen Hughes coming in, and he was absolutely amazing. And it was just a bit of a whirlwind, you know, from from start to finish. And I know that obviously you had the, the chat there saying that you you were going to move on, but eventually, you know, down the line, you got your chance to, to captain the club. I mean, you know, for somebody like Michael or myself, you know, that's that's the dream is to is to go out and captain the club. How did that feel? Just obviously pulling the armband on and walking out of Bayview. Oh, that was amazing, man. That was uh, obviously another one of the proudest moments of my life, like my football career. Um, yeah, absolutely loved it. Uh, I was, to be fair, like it was weird. I was always, I was always captain for every team I played for. Like from Woodside Boys Club, played for Fife, like the county team captain. I was captain of Rangers up to I captained the 19s of reserves. So I was always captain. So. Like it was kind of it was it was kind of natural, but it, I think I maybe could have got a wee bit earlier, but I just kept getting injured, kept getting injured all the time, and I ended up. Um, but what a, it was, I was so proud to, to wear the armband for his face. It was um, just to, even captain in any club, you know, if you're if you're the captain, it doesn't matter if you're an amateur captain or you're the captain of whatever or a manager of Morrison's or Asda, people are relying on you to step up to the mark and and. That's the way you've got to act, and you've got to you've got to drive boys, and you've got to do things properly, and and I, I was so proud. I was so proud, and and I always like my mum and dad used to come to the games, and you know, it, it probably it, it probably made me more proud that I was making them proud. Do you know what I mean? Like, because I knew oh, they're watching me playing football, and I'm the captain of East Fife, my local club. Like, ah, it's a it's a great feeling. Um, but yeah, Kev, I think Kev Smith's the captain now. He obviously took he took over the captain's armband, and you know what? Couldn't they pass it on to a better guy? Kev Smith's a great guy, and he is a he's one of the top. He's him and Bobby Bobby Lynn and um, who else? Dad, we Dad Smith and Jason Kerr. They boys like they could have like Jason Kerr's still going, but they four boys are named. They were top top players, and there's do you know what? I could name another ten. But they, it's so there's such a fine margin between playing at East Fife and playing, having a career playing for Motherwell, St Johnston. You know, they like, can see boys like that. They could like Kev, Kev played at Dungeon United, but he had a lot of injuries as well. But he's a great captain and a great guy, and I'm I'm really happy that he's captain. I actually texted him the other night. I seen they done an interview. Um, I think it was Liam. Liam yeah. done Anderson done an interview. I just texted him saying, oh, thanks, mate. You put me to sleep there because I was tired. So cheers for that. And he kind of, like, Kev's a great guy and he just kind of laughed it off. And we had a, we're still, we still talk now and again, but Kev's, Kev's a great captain and a great player. and a really top man. So I'm glad he's a captain there. Well, talking about falling to sleep, I know it's midnight there now for you. So I've only got a couple of things to ask, then we'll get to your all-time 11s. You finished your, your footballing career here in some style, winning the championship, then headed off to Dubai for the teaching. How did that all come about then? You said you'd always fancied living abroad, so that's why you went to Australia, but how, how did Dubai come on the scene? So my mum my and dad, actually, they, um, they, they've been in Abu Dhabi. 
they moved a year out a year before I moved out to Dubai, oh. and I like I just asked them. I was like, "Look, how is it?" And they loved they loved it. Like, and it's just an out. Like, it's actually about an hour drive down the road. So I go and visit them quite regularly. Uh, they loved it out there, and I was like, I was as I said, I was wanting to go abroad and stuff like that. And I was like, I knew one of my old teachers that taught me it when I was at our community high school. He um, he's a teacher there. I don't know what school were you at, Lee. I was going off this mate. Right, I was so Glenwood. Anyway. So we've got the three schools covered. <laughs> Proper wars. Um, so I, anyway, my old teacher at um, our community, he, he lived in Dubai and he was a teacher in Dubai. So I got in touch with him and I just asked him, I was like, look, is there any jobs or how is it? And he looked like he loved it. Um, and I just thought, yeah, go for it. And my missus, she works at the same school as me. She's an art teacher. So we thought, you know what? We'll give it a bash and see how it goes. And this is our fifth year now. Just love it. Absolutely brilliant. Love living here. <laughs> I, I had a look on the map as well because I was curious how close Qatar was to where you are. So it said it was like a seven-hour drive, which is like me going down to Portland for an MLS game. So I, I, you're going to go to the World Cup? How, how do you think that's going to be out there? Oh, wow. Do you know what? I've not even thought of that because, do you know what? There's a... I think there's a bit of um, issue between Qatar and um, the UAE. Oh, um, yes, there you is. You can't fly there. You can't fly there. I think, I don't know what it is. The governments are arguing over something. I don't really take notice of that, but I don't, you can get there. You can get there, but I just don't think you can fly. But do you know what? I'd probably go for it. Yeah, I'd go for it. If I could drive over, that'd be class. I would be superb. We're hosting the 2026 one here, which I'm so looking forward to. It's going to be just like amazing to be in my home country and, and watching World Cup stuff. When you look back at, at your career and you're, you're telling people about everything that happened, what what's the game or games that's going to stand out for you? What's the moments of your career, aside from the championship win, but what, what one are you going to think back and go, oh, that, that game was absolutely fantastic? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, well, honestly, the one with the best atmosphere I've ever played in was uh, when Rangers was the new Rangers at Ibrox. Remember we played them? Yeah. That noise, honestly, that that sent goosebumps up my like, spine. And I'd, like, obviously, I'd been on the bench at Ibrox a number of times. I never, ever, ever heard the crowd go that mad because that was Rangers' first game as a new team, right? Oh, of so course. That, we played yeah. them in the cup. There was 45,000, but there wasn't. There was 50,000 by the time everybody sat down. The stadium was packed. And I remember uh, Andrew Cook played there. And me and Cookie are having a conversation. He was playing right back, and I was playing centre half, and we're just chatting away. And the next thing, the boys are running at us. They, we didn't know the game had kicked off. The, the fans were that loud. And the boy, honestly, the Ranger had broke on us. And we were like, oh, fuck, the game started. <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't hear a word. It was... Like, honestly, you get goosebumps listening to that. That was amazing. Uh, do you know what? Another good game against Rangers at Bayview as well. We do, were drawn nil-nil, but they had, and then Pat Clark, bless him, man. He was a lovely lad. Love Pat Clark. He came on as a sub and gave a penalty away in the 92nd minute. I was like, oh, no, and they scored. <laughs> that was gutting. But that was a good game because that's the most fans we've ever had inside uh, Bayview. Like, yeah. because it, how much was there? Five, ten thousand. Something it was like just that. under and just under five, I think. Five. But it seemed like a lot more. That was a great game as well. Um, and do you know what? I've played um, throughout my career, I played with Scotland up to under 19s and see playing in yeah. the European Championship games, right? 
they were amazing. Um, just so like you went, like if you win a cap or you go to European Championships, you're playing with like we had a we had a really good team and like she just a captain up to under 18s and that and she standing singing the national anthem for your country. Like my parents would have been there probably as well. Like they always travelled about, and that was man. I was I think I was crying most of the time. Like trying to sing that national anthem. Like yeah, that's the games were amazing as well. But that one at that one at Ibrox, that blew that blew everybody's mind. That that was amazing. Superb. And obviously, sorry, the game, the Clyde game, the Clyde game oh, when we won the yeah. league. Yeah. <laughs> that's number one. Actually, I forgot to mention that because. Honestly, like, and also Peter Head when we stayed up, I got emotional yeah. that day as well. I was like, <laughs> "We're stayed up." Yeah. <laughs> and then um, the Clyde game when we won, that was that was just like such a relief, man, because Clyde were coming on strong, and I was like, "Man, we could still lose the league here if they score. We've still got two games. We need to win a game." I was I was shitting myself when we were just kicking the ball anywhere, and when that final whistle went, and all you guys run on the pitch, man, that was like. What a feeling that was. That was amazing. Yeah, we've had a few hugs on the park down the years after you come to think of it. <laughs> I don't know. you, Stephen. <laughs> did Barry Ferguson recognise you, though? <laughs> no, man. No, I did he fuck. No. He, he called me a wee fanny that day because I told him to get it up on when we beat him. So. <laughs> Honestly, man. Uh, he's a fucking. He should be the happiest. He should be the happiest guy in the world. He's an angry man. Like, hey, I remember one time at training, I like I was just a young boy, and, and we were playing a bounce game against the first team, and we were playing the reserves against the first team, and I made a pass into the midfield, and it hit Barry Ferguson's hand, and uh, like the, the, Alex McLeish was the manager, he stopped the game. He's like, I was like handball, and Fergie's like, who the fuck are you? What the fuck are you saying? It was. So handball, and I, he came right up to me, and I was like, "All right, sorry." Like, was, <laughs> I was named eighteen year old, and he went mental, and I was like, "You are a scary man," but he was some player. <laughs> I personally think he's a complete wank, but you know, he's <laughs> so we're going to get into your all-time elevens and and yeah. all that name dropping that you've done. It should be a pretty I'm decent good. one. I'm looking forward to this one. So we'll st- I'm going to get nah. stacked off. I know that Mark will listen to this one as well, so I hope he gives you <laughs> absolute pelters. Um, and I'm sure that like the likes of Paul McQuaid in that, because I think he must have shared the picture that I sent you on your story on Instagram, because I keep getting like Paul McQuaid's uh, started following the page and that as well. So um, we'll start off with your best 11 played with then. I wrote it down because I've got a bad memory. Best 11 I played with? Yeah. I, I could have done my besties five, but I'll go... It's, it's hard yeah. to argue against these guys. So, Alan McGregor, played yeah. a lot of reserve games with him. Hutton, Alan Hutton, right back. They used to call him the Greyhound. Like, he was just, everybody knows Alan Hutton. Like, went to Tottenham for millions and millions. I think he was only like 40 grand a week or something. Like, he was a machine. Bit of a wanker of a guy, to be honest, but what, what a good player. Um, <laughs> this, is a, this is a random one. Do you remember, when, so when I went down to Stockport, I told you about that, I played a, played a game, and this guy, this guy played in the World Cup, and he was phenomenal. Ashley Williams, remember, played yeah, yeah. the Wales, Welsh captain. Oh! Yeah, yeah. The, he had like a, he had an afro in that. Like, he, honestly, he was amazing. And I was like, this guy can play a game. And this is when he was at Stockport. He was class. He was pinging diagonals, and he was like, 
he was just so good. And I was like, who is this guy? And then I was like, I remember a few years ago in the World Cup, I was like, that guy played when I played in that game. So he, he's, he was class. Uh, Charlie Mulgrew, he'll play centre half. He was, uh, he was in my Scotland team, like from like 15-year-old up to 19. And Charlie, he was, uh, he was such a technically gifted player as well. So I'm going to put him in at centre half. Gary Naismith left back, obviously a legend. What a defender. Bobby Lynn could never get past Gary Naismith. Ever. He said that himself. Honestly, like Gary Naismith, time, he's got the best. I used to think I had pretty good timing. Like, I loved a slide tackling. I was pretty good at slide tackling. Decent. But Gary Naismith is the best slide tackler. Even better than Juan Bissaka, by, by the way. He's the best slide tackler ever. And Bobby Lynn could never get past him. And Bobby Lynn is a great player. So, uh, Gary Naismith left back. Simon Donnelly played with him at Partick. Obviously, Celtic and. Uh, Partick Thistle he was Simon Donnelly was tech, I, I, I'm picking quite a lot of technically gifted guys mm. I like technical players and he wasn't the fastest and he wasn't the strongest but nobody could get the ball off him he was, a, he was so good on the ball Barry Ferguson um, that's a kind of name drop obviously I, I played in the bounce games so I'm counting that I don't it's care not even done. Done. oh it's definitely done. yeah um, Charlie Adam Charlie Honestly, similar to Hutton, I never really liked the guy. I'm sure, I'm sure they're decent guys now, but see when they were young guys, they were a bit, they were a bit wankers, to be honest. They were a bit big time, but I'm sure Char- Charlie seems like he's a good guy now. He does a lot of talking on the telly and that. He seems a lot more chilled out. But obviously, like, Charlie was class. Like, played in the youth team, played, played for Scotland loads of times. Like, Liverpool Football Club, man, come on. He has got the hardest shot I've ever seen in my life. I remember one time training... I just went and stood in goals, you know, mucking about. And Charlie hit a shot for like 20 yards. I swear to God, i never even seen it. And I was like, how did the goalkeeper save that? I couldn't even lift my arm up that fast. And it was, he was a, he was a very, very good player. Uh, Chris Burke on the left midfield. Chris Burke, um, some player, man. He, he had a great career. He's still playing, but he should have done even better than he did. Ross McCormick. Um, Ross McCormick, he done amazing in the championship with Leeds. He didn't have a he good time. Twelve million, didn't he? Man, he was Ross was some player, by the way. Like he played, he was the same age as me, so he uh, like played. He played for uh, he played. He's played in the Champions League and scored against Porto, man. And uh, like he done so well. Um, but he he loved a drink in that. I remember one time we're out and we we're playing with Scotland, right? And we we're playing in Austria. And uh, sorry, I'm going off track here. Sorry, we were playing in Austria in the European Championships, right? Under 18s or 19s. Ross McCormick just scored the goal like two two weeks or three weeks before in the Champions League. So obviously he was our top one of our top men. Um, and the managers let us go out for a, a pint. They took us to a pub in Austria, right? And he's like, they're like, boys, you can have one drink because our, our games are finished, right? Our games are finished. So you can have one pint. That was a fucking bad idea because <laughs> Ross McCormack and a few of the lads got, I had a couple of pints of that. They were drinking straight vodka to just try to get steaming. And Ross got absolutely steaming, right? And he jumped out the hotel window and he'd done his ankle in. And, you know, and he just scored for, he just scored against Porto. So he was like proper in the first team, man. He jumped out the window of the hotel and he fucked his ankle and he was out for three months. Like, and that basically got, I can't remember if it got him released basically, but, Man, he could have been at Rangers a long time and he fucked it and he was doing so well. Like he just, he 
<laughs> he was bevying like, and I think he's had a few troubles at Villa and stuff like that as well. But he was class and Snodgrass up front, Robert Snodgrass. Um, I'm going to I'm going to chuck the boys in for his five through like on the bench. It'd be Jason Kerr, Bobby Lynn, Daz Smith, and Kev Smith. They four were they, they're four class players, man. So good. Darren Smith made my all time eleven. Um, for the players that I'd seen his Fife, I, I can't remember if I started him or put him on the bench. Such a great player. I just, he was, he was one of those folk that you just watched them and you could just pick the game up by the scuff of the neck and, and drag you on. And, and so passionate as well. That, a, a player that I really, really like. So I'm glad to see that um, he made your team. Like Ross McCormick, you mentioned about Villa. Was he the guy that couldn't get to training one day because his security Electric gates would gate be open? open. Aye. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah, that's him. <laughs> I'm sure he went for 12 million. I'm sure he yeah, went for 12 million. Top goal scorer for Leeds. He was a top goal scorer for Leeds in the championship. Um, he went to Fulham and he'd done brilliant at Fulham as well. I'm sure he's played with Scotland in that. He was a, Aye. honestly, what a, player. what a player. And we'll go for your best 11 against, buddy. Yeah. Uh, so David, David Marshall uh, played against them at Celtic. He was... Very good goalie. Great shot stopper. Uh, Stephen Taylor, who played with Newcastle. I was always... I remember being like 16-year-old and playing against Stephen Taylor. And I'm like, I was a centre-half for Scotland and he was a centre-half for um, England. And I was like, this guy is like six foot four. He's a giant, but he's what a player. He's playing with Newcastle first team at like 18 years old. He was amazing. Lee McCulloch, <clears throat> he was solid. And Lee Wallace. So three at the back. Lee Wallace on the left. Aaron Lennon. I played against him a number of times on the right. He was the fastest man, just like Theo Walcott, but better than Theo Walcott, I thought. James Milner in the midfield. Um, Tom Huddleston. Remember Tom Huddleston? Mm. Yeah, Derby. Tottenham and that big guy. Yeah. James Milner, like, they two were in midfield against Scotland. We played them, I think we played them five or six times. They always pumped us. Um, Snod, Snoddy. Again, I played against him. That was my debut for Partick. He was, he's a... Phenomenal player. Uh, McGeady, Maloney, Sean Maloney and Fernandez. Remember Fernandez from Livingston and Celtic? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow, but McGeady, honestly, the best player in that team, man. McGeady. McGeady. When we played it, like under-17s in that, man, I think every team in the world wanted him. Like, I'm not joking. I think every man use all, all the top guys, he was on a different level. And he should have had a way better career than yeah. he did. And he's still yeah. top man at Sunderland, but he's got the most ability I've ever seen any player I've played against have. Couldn't get the ball off him. So fast. I, so there's good. a few few guys that, like we've spoken about a few in the show, some of the guys that were at Hibs over the years, that you think they should have done so much more. And then just for whatever reason, they just never pushed on and took that step. Yeah. McGeady, for me, is just one of those players that I can never like because he turned his back on Scotland when yeah. he's Scottish. And I'm just a bit like, yeah, when yeah. it's even hearing his name, I'm just like, see, see when like, whoever he's playing for lose, I'm like, good. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, a good team though. Yeah, yeah it's a, a, a really good team. Um, finally, um, last question that we've been asking. In fact, I've got two. Yeah, yeah. Last, second last question is any memorabilia that you've got so do you have anything that you, you treasure from your playing days um, obviously the, the league medal that's yeah. that'll be forever treasured I'll never let that go 
unless you want to buy it off me, I'll sell it to you for maybe five grand or something like that. But, nah. <laughs> Ooh, I uh, might be tempted for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously that. I've got my Scotland cap. Um, when you first play with Scotland and the, the youths and that, you get your cap. So we've got that, my mum and dad got that framed for me. Uh, that's a that's proper like proud moment. That's um, nice. I've got some top, like I've got my Rangers top for the UEFA Cup and stuff, like with my name on the back and the champions, the UEFA badge and like see-year-old yeah. strips and that. Jimmy Bell, Jimmy Bell is a great guy. He's like keep your keep your first strip and you can keep your UEFA Cup strip. So you've got Campbell on the back with a number like I don't know thirty-six or something like that. Obviously, I'll keep them and and uh, East Fife signed top. Um, when we won the league, got the boys to sign that because you knew, like, I knew I'm never going to see all these boys in the same changing room again. Mm-hmm. And it's quite sad when you think about that. Like, we've just won the league, we've, we've worked hard for the last year, great bunch of lads. And I'm like, man, we are all never going to be in the same changing room together. It's quite a sad moment. So, boys, sign the top, you know? Oh, Keep that. Man. No, that's good. And, and that's the, one of the main reasons that I ask this question because I'm always fascinated to, yeah. to know what, what people have got. So, But yeah. you've played with some, some pretty big players and famous players. Who's the most famous person on your phone? Oh, eh, nah, nobody really like. Nobody really. Um, uh, Lee Robinson. You've probably not even heard of him. Lee Robinson, he's actually, I think he's, um, he used to play with Rangers, right? He was a goalie, ginger-haired lad. Honestly, I rated him as much as McGregor, but he was just three inches too short. He played with Queen of the South, right? And he's not that famous, but he's on Instagram. I think he's got like 300,000 followers, right? And I'm not saying that's famous, yeah. but he's, uh, he goes out to his distribution. What, go, on, uh, go on Instagram, the modern day goalkeeper. Um, he, goes, he goes out to Juventus. He's going out to Juventus to teach Chesney. Is it Chesney? Or yeah. who's the goalie yeah. at UV now? Anyway, Chesney's been in touch with him because he's got the best distribution you've ever seen. Any goalie in the world, right? I'm telling you right now, the best kicker of a ball you've ever seen in your life. So Chesney's been in touch. Lee, come over and give me like a kicking tutorial. But that's his job now. He basically runs his Instagram. Not that famous, but um, that's the only one I can think of, really. It's still a decent one, mate. I've still got Gary Naismith. You could take Gary Smith then. He's famous, man. Like, come right. on. Everton yeah. legend. Imagine you went into Everton. Like, come on. No, definitely. Uh, I, still, I still honestly and genuinely believe <laughs> that, that Gary will go on to, to manage at the yeah, top. I do too. I really do. He, he just needs that, that other crack at the whip. Well, that's, I've really enjoyed this chat, Stevie. I really appreciate you giving time up, especially on your birthday, to, to come and do this. I know we've gone into the next day for you now, but thanks so much for coming on, man. That was really enjoyable. Guys, honestly, thanks as well. Like, it's brilliant you are doing a podcast because obviously you want to get as many fans listening. See, it's just mad because like, fans, see when they hear the stories about... Part-time football, like you said, they don't know half the stuff that goes on, right? I, Honestly, I, it's I had no idea. <laughs> it's so funny, like, just telling the wee stories there about some of the boys and the characters you meet. Um, but honestly, let me mention about, um, like, Monty. Monty the kit man, right? And Leona, Dave Marshall. See all these guys? Uh, I, I, I could name another 20 of them, right? Uh, they're all brilliant people. And I really miss them, honestly. I really miss them, and they were... They were great people and they were always so nice to me and they would always treat everybody with respect. 
and they were just just a, a genuinely loved East Fife Football Club. And I'm a, so if anybody asks me in Dubai, who who do you support, like Rangers or Celtic? Like, East Fife, man, East Fife. So I always and just thanks very much for doing the podcast because it's good to get the the old memories going again. And the boys like listen to all these podcasts. It brings back so many memories because you just it's like another lifetime away. And um, so it's great to bring that back. And I'll definitely. I've I've only I, I should have popped in last year when I was back home, but I'll bet I'll definitely be coming to the games again and in the summer when I can get home next time. But thanks very much for having me on, and I appreciate appreciate it, guys. No, definitely when you're you're next home, I'll, I'll I'll get you a pint at Bayview if you're going to be there. I think it's only fair. Um, and uh, look, thanks so much for for coming on. It's a shame that you don't have your Facebook anymore because you'll not be able to see the reaction. Because see, when I said that you were coming on, some of the tweets and stuff that we got. You know, so what was it the boy said earlier on? It was one that I actually meant to bring up to you when I said that you were coming on. Um, buzzing for this one up there with Greg McDonald as Mr. East Fife. Oh, nice one, man. So, cool. uh, I am yeah, Facebook, man. I've had a nightmare where I've, I've lost the password and like it's, I just cannot get on it. I've tried for two years and I'm going to have to just delete it and get a new one. So, I'm a bit gutted yeah. about that. But uh, it's got loads of photos and good photos of East Fife and that on it. So, well, the but thing yeah. is, is, is you could still see if you created another Facebook, like you could still go on and just right click and save all the photos from that. So you wouldn't lose yeah. them as long as you don't delete it. So get yourself yeah. another one set up by Sunday so that you can get on and share the link to this with all your, your friends and family. But look, man, um, every experience I've, I've had of meeting you over the years, whether it be bumping into you with Mark or whatever, or having a hug when we've won a game at Baby, uh-huh. it's always, always been an absolute pleasure, mate. You're a top guy and, and thanks so much for coming on. Cheers, lads. Really appreciate it. That's great. Keep Cheers, cheers you, nice chatting. Take it, man. Ta-da. Cheers, lads. Speak soon, eh? So that was Stevie Campbell there. Um, like I've said already, an absolutely excellent interview. And he's one of those people, again, I just felt like... I was down the pub listening to somebody talking football. A, a really, really guy, really funny as well. Um, a lot funnier than probably people will give him credit for. And I think that I'll be up there with, with some people's favourite interviews, Mike. I really enjoyed chatting to him. I'd never spoken to him before. So that was my first kind of interaction with him. And yeah, it was like we were old buddies just chatting away. It's so easy to chat to. And he's had such an interesting career, a lot of interesting tales to tell there. I mean, you, you asked him the question, did, did he feel he'd made it when he'd signed that deal with Rangers? And I think that is the problem with a lot of, of young players. And it's not even just in Scotland. We had it out here in Vancouver. We had some guys that came through here from like 2012 to 2015, 2016 that came through our academy and then they signed a first team deal. And then they had a kind of sense of entitlement. They were like, okay, well, I've come through the academy. I should be playing. But there was better players that had been signed. So they weren't getting playing time. So then they weren't happy with that. One of them, I'll keep his name out of it, actually burst into the manager's room at one point and went, why am I no fucking playing? If I'm no playing, I want a fucking transfer. And the the manager, because he'd sat and told me this, he was like, okay, fine, you can go. He's like, well, I don't want to go now. I want to get my, my contract to the end of the season. You need to pay me. So it's like, it was all about money and entitlement. And he thought if he caused a scene, he'd get playing and didn't expect the manager to go, aye, fine, you can just leave then. But there is a sense of entitlement and it goes back to what we were saying earlier with Scottish players. 
they, they need to they need to pay their dues, and it's me saying this as an old man now, but they kind of do, and not necessarily sign for the big clubs. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the difficult part because you probably get hooked on the name. You know what I mean? If a Rangers or a Celtic's in for you now, even as these five fans, there's not a single one of us that would turn down the chance to go there and, and play at the top level and get the chance to play in Europe and stuff. You're lying if you said that, that yeah. that's the case. If you had the chance to start your career at East Fife and then go back there and maybe finish your career there, whatever, you know, we would all take that chance to play at the, the top level of your career. Um, so I totally, totally get that. But at the same time, you know, I think that the likes of Stevie um, had the right idea, get out, get on loan and, you know, go in your class, go and, you know, show that you could do it at any level. You know, Stevie said himself there that, you know, he maybe didn't make a, a good enough impression at, at Partick, but, you know, I always thought he was a bit of a Rolls Royce player, Stevie. You know, he, he, he really coasted through games and you could just tell he was so comfortable on the ball. And you know what, he, he said there that he, if he had his time again, he, he felt he could have done, be- done better. I think if he didn't get injured, he'd have done better. Yeah, the injuries completely de- derailed him, but... I mean, it was good that he bowed out the way he did, winning a championship just before you, you kind of hang up your boots. I mean, that's just a fantastic way to go. The thing is, is he's, what, 34, 35? Yeah. I mean, he definitely had another few seasons in front of him, but, you know, Methel or Dubai, I, I think I know where I would rather choose. The, Glen, the, the Kingdom Centre in Glen Office or the Dubai Mall. <laughs> one of them's yeah. got one of them's got a ski slope in it. <laughs> one, of them, one of them's got a shooting gallery. <laughs> Aye, tough, tough, tough. So now time, I don't think we can call it a new segment now because we've been doing it for a little while, but here it is, this week's Who Are You? So last week's answer, um, everybody got it right. I did make it a little bit easier because I was peed off with all the research I'd done for previous ones and everybody got it right. It was, of course, Barry Moffat. And delighted to announce that the man himself has agreed to come onto the show. I haven't told Mike this yet, um, but Barry Moffat is going to be coming on and we're hoping to get him on next week. Excellent. So there you go. Um, we've had the appeals for the older ones. We've also had a fan reach out on Twitter who has spoken to Willie Brun. And Willie Brun has also said that he would love to come on. Um, and the only difficulty with getting Willie is that he works pretty much around the world at short notice. So we'll try and get him on if we can. Um, but I will do my best and keep doing our best to get some of the older generation of uh, people on for you. I'm not sure how much use I'll be um, at this part. So I think that these are the ones that Michael's certainly going to have to structure. But anyway, we'll move on. It's like anyone that's played from 2009 onwards, it's like you have to kind of keep me informed with that. So that's only fair. Yeah, I would say so. So we're going to move on to this week's Who Are You? Now, I'm going to be honest and say that I've used this person's Wikipedia page and Michael and I have just read it out to him because it's absolutely hilarious. Somebody's been on an edit of it, so I can't wait to message him after this. Uh, but anyway, here we go. Um, this week's Who Are You? So... As always, we'll start number one off with his date of birth. So he's, he's born on the 17th of May, 1987. He started his career at Wraith Rovers um, before, but never made a first-team appearance. He then went into the junior ranks and played for Dundonald Bluebell. He scored 16 goals in 18 games as a striker. 
He then moved on to Cowden Beath, where he scored 24 goals in 68 games before finally getting his big move to St Mirren. He then played a few games on loan at Forfar before coming to East Fife, and that was his last senior club, where he played 16 games without scoring any goals in the 2011 season. So that's going to be all for this week's Who Are You? I could give away a massive clue, but I think that if I did do that, that everybody would get it. So I'm going to leave it there, and you can get in touch with me on the usual socials if you know the answer. I didn't get it, which will probably surprise no one. Not very good at this, it turns out. In fact, I'll tell you what, I'll give you one last clue. His Wikipedia says he's also a weirdo who can't, who can't ride a bike. <laughs> oh, is it you? Yeah. No, no, oh. I can ride a bike. Oh, you didn't play me. for St. Burn, yeah. No, yeah, that was the difference. Um, and one of the other ones uh, that's been edited on his page, it says that um, the manager of one of the teams that he played for went on record to say that the player ruined his life when he made the move to the team. So it's definitely <laughs> worth a, a, a look. <laughs> oh, I'll check that out for sure now. I think we might want to like take a snapshot of it in case it gets changed or taken down. Yeah, definitely. But I was killing myself at that. So there you go, guys, this week's Who Are You? So we're going to move on. And another person I'm going to give a shout out to is uh, Jim Ewing. So Jim's a guy that was friends with, uh, you'll remember, um, Fair Dodger, um, Greg Williams and Mikey Hunter. Um, So uh, Jim's a friend of those guys. Um, and he reached out to say that he's been listening to the podcast and he's absolutely loving it. And he's like, I've actually got an idea for some segments for you. So he, he came through and it was him that put the thought in my mind about the, the all-time 11s and getting the fans to pick it. So it's been a hot topic. It's, it's one of the busiest our, our um, social media pages been for a while. Widely discussed. I mean, I think that I started off with the goalie um, and there's been a lot, a lot of debate um, between who we think that should have uh, got the, the 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 job for for the glory days gold goalkeeper, um, and we've had even more just as I've signed on to our um, Facebook page there to, to see who else we could get on. So we've had Paul Monroe just there um, say Craig White, but he just said that he's had to say that or else he'll get beat up. Um, we've also had um, a lot of shouts for Lindsay Hamilton. Ernie McGar, um, we've had um, David Gorman, of course, Gordon Marshall. Um, Gordon Marshall's had a good few shouts, and again, somebody I'd absolutely love to get on the, the, the show if, if anybody has a, a contact detail for him. Um, Stevie Gill for Dylan, uh, Dylan Rooney, um, just for his cameo against Clyde with the saves, which were very, very true. Um, another few shouts for Willie McKillough, so Ray Charles, Scott Fox, um, David Gorman, Loads and loads of different shouts, and it's it, this is what I love about football is is the opinions um, of everybody are always so different. There's a shout from Michael Brown in there as well from from, from somebody that's obviously a bit of the younger era. So I'm going to put it out to a poll, um, and I'll put the poll out on Sunday, um, and I'm going to shortlist these answers with the ones that are the most commonly mentioned. So unfortunately, Michael Brown and Craig White won't be getting a shout this week, but um, we'll put a, a poll out. You guys can vote, and hopefully. If we can get the all-time 11 together, um, I'm hoping to be able to present these guys with a T-shirt or or something to say that they made the the fans all-time 11. So give us a shout and yeah, we'll move on to the left-back once we've concluded the poll from next week. 
So before we sort of get all the results and who would be your your selection? I think I know from stuff that we've talked about before, but are, are these we should probably explain uh, to anyone that hasn't maybe seen the socials what what this is exactly about. So are, are these players that we've seen with our own eyes at Bayview? That would be my preference because I think that if you go on reputation, then that's not a true reflection of your favourite player. You're just going on reputation of players that you've seen before. So, like, for example, my dad absolutely loved Davy Gorman, but I've never seen him play, so I can't come out and say Mengs would be Davy Gorman. You know, when we've spoke about our all-time 11s previously, you know, the, the guys that immediately come to my head are Scott Fox, Mark Ridgers, you know, just boys that we got on loan, but Mark Ridgers yeah. was an unbelievable shot stopper. Um, I really, really liked him. I don't like the idea of having loan guys in this, I've got to say. I think it should just be signed players. Okay, that's fine. So I'll tell you what, I, I don't disagree with you there. So if, I'm gonna t- if we're taking loan players out of the equation, that's a tough one. Mm. It's quite easy for me. I'm going to go for Jim Butter. Um, Jim Butter was the embodiment of everything you look for in the keeper. You know, commanded his box, great shot stopper. Yeah, I think I'm going to go Jim Butter. Should a should an all time great goalkeeper have butter fingers though? Oh, boo, boo! <laughs> <laughs> I apologise for all our listeners for having to listen to that. Jesus, I think I'd rather have Callum Antel all time eleven than listen to that again. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm going with Gordon Marshall because years ago when we did the all-time greats, which I think is about 10 years ago now, so it is about time that we have another look at this because there's obviously been 10 more years of players that's kind of come through. The, Gordon Marshall was my vote then. I don't think anyone since then has dislodged him. Ray Charles might be my number two, who I know when we were chatting before recording, you hadn't heard of, of Ray Charles. I thought he, he was a songwriter. Yeah, he's also a blind pianist, which you don't want for a goalkeeper either, I guess. But No, you no, definitely want to see any pianists on the pitch. But he was the only <laughs> but he was the only only East Five goalkeeper that I know of that scored a goal from open play. Yeah, I think it was Claire Jarecki that mentioned that um, on the on the social media page about the the goal going in from there. I mean, I, don't get me wrong, I've I've seen goals go against us um, directly from a um, a goal kick before. But Stephen Mill, you could give us a shout. You'll you'll be the man of this the facts. Get, let us know if there's been any other goal. Uh, goalkeepers that have scored for East Fife, that would be one I'd be interested to know. And of course, I think that Michael's added the caveat, I think that's a very good point. The player that we're selecting for a team can only have played for us if they've been signed permanently. So, Mark Ridgers, after me mentioning you on Twitter and you liking it, um, I'm really, really sorry, mate, but you've had to, <laughs> had to have a submission based on Mike's recommendation. Yeah, just make me the bad guy this week. Yeah, that's uh, It's about time. I I think it's fair though because we could we could have had Messi on loan for like a a month or something and then he makes it all time great. Although if we if we'd had Messi on loan, I think I would have not put that kind of rule in. But there we go. Yeah, there we go. Um, so yeah, there we go. Um, let us know what your thoughts are. It's wavelength time now. This section of the show where we play a song all about football. And I've threatened this for the the last couple of weeks. I've threatened to bring in some Scottish rap onto the show. That's just what I'm doing in this week's Wavelength. 
It's from three Edinburgh-based rappers, Wardy Burns, Jordan Butler and Word SOS. It's from their 2009 release, Project Old Ricky, which I really recommend you can get it on Bandcamp. And it's a song called Sick Division. <laughs> Check Young here, joined by Scottish MC... Wardy Burns! Wardy, what are you saying? <laughs> How you doing, chick mate? Uh, I'm here to tell you, well, to tell the whole people of Scotland that I'm part of the sickest division. <laughs> Wardy, what is the sickest division? Tell me. Well, basically, the sickest division is me, Wardy Burns, Weird SOS, Jordan Butler, Edinburgh, Project Ricky, Chick Young, you plum. Oh. Sick division, and we're top of the league. You're fighting relegation at the bottom, you freak switch. Team and we're 12 points clear We are sick, my division brought the hell boys here Sick division and we're top of the league You're fighting relegation at the bottom, you freak switch Team and we're 12 points clear We are sick, my division brought the hell boys here I'm the wardiest of wardies Horribly I'm horny Performing at an orgy Fuck about a wongy Holding up the scene and I'm registered corgi Drugs take over, this is medicine walkway The devil just taught me I could level your hallway Lock your fucking home like I delivered a bomb head in the back of my mind, immaculate shine The bomb squad tackle my rhyme Attack the back of your spine Cause really half of it's mine I'm laughing, it's fine I find it funny half of the time The other half is so hilarious It's funny as fuck I make you leave my fucking game When your number is up This is the sick division And you missed a mission You said you were the man But your dick was missing I know you're sick to pissing You're a bitch, you're wishing You could be me But I'm king of the sick division Sick division And we're top of the league You're fighting relegation At the bottom, you freak we're 12 points clear We are sick, my division brought the hell boys here Sick division, and we're top of the league You're fighting relegation at the bottom, you freak switch Full time, and we're 12 points clear We are sick, my division brought the hell boys here Sick division, unforgiven for how we're living Smashing opposition like locomotive collisions I'm a captain on the patch, never played the position And I for go like a marksman with deadly precision I'm on a mission, wishing, fishing for titles and scalps Casual sniffing talks, sweep streets like the capital city servers Competitors nervous, popping tables, they contention teams wish they could be this Far ahead in the game, but your squad it's a non-starter. It's Edinburgh City, these gadgets, we rap it harder. Season after season, we breeze it and push it further. So high above the pack, we didn't even have a number. Uniformity regimental marching casual fatigues. Scarfed up where a microphone, I'm breaching the piece. My rhyme skills flow, supporters get their ass off the seat. Sick division, riding easy, we're at the top of the league. Sick division, and we're top of the league. You're fighting relegation at the bottom, you freak switch. Full time, and we're 12 points clear. We are sick, my division brought the hell boys here. Sick division, and we're top of the league. You're fighting relegation at the bottom, you freak switch. Full time, and we're 12 points clear. We are sick, my division brought the hell boys here. What? Kick off, we pass like one twos on a mic, pass back and push, we break through. We never offside, keep tight and lines move. Your numbers getting called, there's no substitute. I choose whoever is making a match. I'm no ref, but I run the game, and that's that. I see you just players with no skill and tact. DJs can't hack it, barely making a scratch. Red card, you can get sent to the stand, but no snitching, just listen and raise your right hand. Play your position, stop chasing your man, fall back in defense. I'm on attack. So fly, yes I was playing on the wing Mad Maradona face on the can with a ching But it don't need to be a celebration all of the time For me to do a Robbie Fowler and just get on that line Sick division and we're top of the league You're fighting relegation at the bottom, you freak switch Full 
team and we're 12 points clear We are sick, my division brought the hell boys here Sick division and we're top of the league You're fighting relegation at the bottom, you freak so it's Full team and we're 12 points clear We are sick, my division brought the hell boys here <laughs> Chet Young still here and we just witnessed the sickest division Yes, ha <laughs> ha, the bones Well, that's who is Jordan Butler Project Ulrike To everybody else Fuck off Wardy Barnes, Jordan Butler and Word SOS there with Sick Division. Now, Lee hasn't had the chance to listen to this yet before we record it. There's no C words in it, so your mum will be happy. But I, I'm just all for getting more Scottish rap in the show because I just love rap in folks' normal accents. These guys have produced a lot of stuff over the, the years. And I want to challenge you to come up with a rap for next week's show. Oh, right, okay. As in a sort of like John Barnes World in Motion sort of yeah. idea. Or once you listen to this song, <laughs> and then you can get that idea. And I'll I'll come up with one as well. Right, okay. My Put only some thick backbeats to it. <laughs> no. My name is Lee my... G. I'm 1903. Ah, oh, yeah, there we go, yeah. Um, the only thing that terrifies me about this is the potential to go viral because I don't know if you've ever seen the Heights. Partec, T-H-I-S-T-L-E. No. red and yellow team. Right, I'm oh, going to send that to you wait after a minute. this. Was that on view from a terrace? Yes. I did see it then, yes. Yeah, and like, don't get me wrong, I've listened to a few of the other songs and that's actually pretty decent. But if that went viral... Or this goes viral, I'll never live it down. (laughs) (laughs) That's one way to make sure that something goes viral. Oh, no. Right, okay, you're on. My last attempt at a rap was in the fanzine days when I rewrote Vanilla Ice's Ice Ice Baby as Fife Fife Baby, which I thought was superb, and I got slated so much for that. Uh, folk just know right so here's the gauntlet to the fans of the podcast I want you to vote in advance Lee or Michael who do you think is going to produce the better rap now Michael you'll probably the majority will know wrote the Cowden family and quite a lot of the other Biggie's Fife songs from, from down, the, down the years so I've got the odds stacked against me here I, I will say uh, Colin Williamson had a big part to play in the Cowden family song as well so we'll give Fruity a little shout out for that yeah, so that, the odds have started against me. Mike, Michael's featured on uh, the TV and all this sort of stuff with, with his, uh, his his rendition. But you know, yeah, X, X Factor, Pop Idol, Simon Cowell loved it. It was surprised that it never went to number one. To be perfectly yeah. honest, but right, fair enough. Right, I'll I'll take your challenge. I'll lay down the gauntlet. Let's okay, let's get this so, going. Let give us a tweet um, at Glory Days of Gold or on Facebook, same place. Um, who you think is going to produce the better rap? And I'll go and buy myself a, a nice baseball cap, turn it backwards, and you better believe I'm going to come all guns blazing next week. <laughs> oh, perfect. I know what I'm going to be doing on my lunch break for the next couple of days anyway. I'll be putting words to this. My staff will be hating five, being my baby. Quick to the point, to the point, no faking. Cooking five. cow didn't like a pound of bacon. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah, maybe cut that out, please. Anyway, so <laughs> we're going to nip over to our mailbag. You might be glad to know this absolute abomination that our show is almost Yeah, finished. it's nearly finished. <laughs> we're riding the goat tails till the end. So... Um, we've mentioned obviously a few of the, the tweets that we've had this week. I've absolutely loved our social media feed this week in terms of the volume of responses that we've had, particularly to our latest shout out for, for um, the new goalkeeper 11. Um, we've had some messages come through and I'll be honest with you, a lot of new followers this week. So if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, big hello from us. We had an absolutely outstanding reaction to the, the Doogie Cameron episode. A lot of you really, really enjoyed that. So glad to see that that's been so popular. But apart from that, um, a, a fairly empty mailbag this week. Um, we've had followers from two former Fife players this week on Twitter. So John Robinson and Craig White gave us a little follow. And I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter, but I was at Blair Drum and Safari Park with my family last week and bumped into Ryan Wallace. So I was standing with my dad and I went, I'm sure that's Ryan Wallace, Dad. They went, nah, it's not him. I'm like, nah, I'm telling you, that's Ryan Wallace. And the poor boy looked absolutely petrified when I spoke to him. <laughs> Genuinely, I don't think he had any any thoughts that he was going to be recognised as being a footballer there. But I took my daughter up to him and I went, see this man here? He's going to score 20 goals for his wife next season. And his exact words were, I wouldn't bet on him. Wait a few pressure on the young guy. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And as I said to him, I was like, look, I don't know if you've heard about it, but I'm, I'm the host of the, the East Five Fans podcast and I'd love to get you on. He said yes, but it looked completely reluctantly. So, Ryan, if you are <laughs> listening, don't worry. We'll, we'll not pressure you into coming on. Um, but if you are up for it, then we would love to, to have you on. I, I got a, an email in this week, actually, again, from Alan Kirk from Texas, who we mentioned on last week's show. I haven't had a chance to forward it on to you yet, so I don't want to mention too much about it. But he's come up with a couple of really fantastic segments that we can throw out to to the fans. I'll I'll just throw one one out there just now. This is one for the older guys. There was a guy that that passed away. Maybe it's a couple of years now. Actually, he was known as Chink, and he was a a guy that was notorious back in the eighties and nineties, mainly the the eighties, maybe even the seventies during East Five Days. So Alan Kirk shared some stories about chinks. So if there's any of the older listeners that have some good chink stories, let us know. I'll go out to another email that I got in from the guy I mentioned previously. So Jim Ewan. Um, so Jim came through and he thought about having an away day's anecdote. So anything that's happened on an away day that you've been to, and I'll be honest with you, I have got so many stories that I could share, uh, particularly the away days with the with the burger crew, and mm. you know everything from being hit with a pie at um, Cowden dump or you know i remember i'll tell what this one quickly before we get on so for those of you that haven't met me i've always been a, a sort of heavier set chunky boy and uh, when i was about 16 17 i wasn't drinking but uh, we were away at albion rovers uh, uh clifton hill or clifton hill, i always forget what it's called yeah, clifton hill clifton hill so so the boys are all like right lee go get the pies in go get the pies in and i'm like oh, right fine so they all give me their money for their pies and Mike's smiling because he remembers this. I get the cash for the pies and say there was 12 of us. I come round and I've got the box full of the pies and everybody at the same time, who ate all the pies? Who ate all the pies? You fat. And 
I've never wanted the world to swallow me up. <laughs> oh, as I did at that moment, as the entire stadium just turned around and looked at this chubby little idiot carrying the pies for every single one of them. Um, yeah. a, a few of them will, um, yeah, I've got a few more stories about me getting concussions at away grounds. Yes, I remember that one so, very well as well. Yeah, there's, Alan there's Kirk a, had actually mentioned about away days and he shared some older ones as well. So I'll forward this email on to you and then we'll chat about it during the week. Yeah, definitely. So again, we're always open to ideas at any segments that you like. Um, there's been a, a lot more criticism this week for the chocolate digester. So you said, but I haven't uh, seen that. It's because of the comfort in my Facebook page. So they're not coming directly on the news feed. But you want to know what? We think it's good fun. Um, if, if you That's absolutely you detest all. it, <laughs> if you absolutely detest it, let us know. We'll, we'll I will it do out more. Of that much. <laughs> we'll do two for sure. But you want to know what? We, we like it and we think it's fun. But if, if you want to hear something else, does anybody fancy a custard cream or whatever, then we're always open to suggestions. Well, all those people will be delighted to know that it's time for this week's Anyone Fancy a Chocolate Digestive? Where we find out if former Pfeiffer, former Hibby, and current Scottish football pundit Tam McManus fancies one. You're sitting at home at night. You decide to have a hot beverage. What would be your hot beverage of choice? A tea, a coffee, or something else? Oh, not really a tea person or a coffee person. I'd probably go a hot chocolate. Ah. And are you a biscuit fan? Do you have a sweet tooth? Mmm, bar of chocolate, bar of galaxy. Not really a biscuit man. Uh, would you dunk? Eh, uh, any of my hot chocolate? <laughs> uh, probably I. <laughs> Excellent. Anyone fancy a chocolate I just Tam McManus there, not fancying a chocolate digestive, so now you know. Quick final plug for our sponsors, the Bedwell Group. Um, thanks very much to Jake at the Bedwell Group for support, uh, supporting us. Huge thank you to um, Gunner Designs and also Mickey Hunter at the Auckland Supporters Club. Once again, thank you so much for listening. My name's Lee Gillis. I'm Michael McCall. And stay safe, control the virus, stay alert, keep calm, carry on, and more importantly, moan the five. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.